Hi, Mac Parker. Ever hear of Planet of the Apes? Uh, the movie or the planet? The brand new multi-million dollar musical. And you are starring as the human. It's the part I was born to play, baby. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking war for the planet of the apes. There's a planet of apes? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abraham. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other film movie topics. This is episode 292, 292. Palindrome time, baby. <laughs> it's another numerical palindrome. <laughs> we did it. We did it, yes. It's mainly our goal, every, like, 15 episodes or so, to get a numerical palindrome. I've never really counted on my own. Mm-hmm. Well, for in honor of 292, we're talking War for the Planet of the Apes, the third part of the newest Apes reboot series. And uh, joining us to discuss War for the Planet of the Apes, we have from the Milky Way Blues, he's been known to take to the trees in case of danger. It's Yancey Burns. Hello, everybody. And from the heart of Hollywood, don't call him Donkey, it's Peter Paris. <laughs> Yo. How are the two of you doing today? Good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm happy, uh, non-film related, that I saw they made the announcement that um, uh, there's for the first time ever, uh, Doctor Who is going to have a woman. Uh, she's going to be the 13th Doctor, Jodie Whittaker. That's her name. Uh, which apparently she was on Broadchurch, and the showrunner of Broadchurch is taking over Doctor Who. So that's cool. I haven't watched Doctor Who in forever, but. I'm curious now. So. so Doctor Who keeps going. Wasn't it supposed to stop after like 12 Doctor Who's or something? I think you're right. I think there was, but she's the 13th. Yeah, I think there was something in the old, back in the 70s where they're like, you can only regenerate 12 times or something, but I don't know. I mean, again, I don't Take really want that math. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what, I don't know what kooky reason they'll come, but I mean, a show that's so long running, obviously he can probably regenerate, you know, 30 or 40 times or he or she now. So let's, let's move on. Let's get to some show notes. Okay, um, first up, new commentary track. This month we did a track for Memento, uh, Christopher Nolan's breakout film. I don't remember doing it. <laughs> uh, we had a great time doing this one. This was a lot of fun. Um, one of I think one of our best commentary tracks that we've done. And we even got creative in the editing for it. So uh, be sure to check that one out. It's on Audioboom and iTunes now. What else? Um, we still have a banner photo contest for our Facebook page. Um, we want to get a new banner. Um, we're asking our listeners uh, to submit anything to us over at outnetpodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnetpodcast. Nothing explicit, of course, but something summary that fits the vibe of the show. says out now with Aaron and Abe on it. Uh, we're giving to the end of July at this point to, uh, you know, if you want to enter enter something in. If you're in the U.S., we will send you a cool prize. If you're not in the U.S., we'll find some way to give you an award of some kind if you send us a banner. But, uh, yeah. That's accurate. Thank you. What else? Episode 300. It's coming. Yeah, then- and Abe and I have I actually discussed about it. Abe and I have actually discussed episode episode three hundred at this point. So yeah, we're not, we're not just saying this to remind yeah. ourselves. Now we're we're talking about things. Well, we're still saying it to remind ourselves. Well, yes, we are reminding ourselves to keep talking about it. But there have been initial discussions, so be prepared, listeners, because we uh, we want to do something cool for episode three hundred for sure. That's, um, that's correct. What else? iTunes user ratings good to get those. Helps with the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for out now there on an Abe. You can give us a star rating. That'd be pretty cool. 
can give us a written review. That'd be even cooler. If you want to game the system and, and set up her new email accounts and give it just like 45 more new ones, that'd be great. Yeah, right after you're done writing your tome for Doctor Who, you can send us a bunch of iTunes reviews. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> or send us the iTunes reviews in the form of Doctor Who uh, updates. I don't know. Yeah, Christopher Eccleston says. <laughs> now they're in a podcast. <laughs> Malekith? From Thor? The yes, Ma- yes. The, what, what, I mean, Christopher Eccleston, best known for playing Malekith in Thor The Dark World. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's do a quick update on the sixth annual summer movie gamble for those that haven't been keeping up. Abe and I, along with Peter and many other uh, frequent guests on the show, we're all involved in a ch- a, ga- a, cha- a, bleh, a challenge against each other. We're trying to we've all submitted picks for what we think are going to be the top ten highest grossing films of the summer at the domestic box office. And so weekly, we've been kind of going over how things have fared since there, you know lots of films are coming out every week that are on our lists and have potential to make upsets and what have you. Uh, as of now. This week, another big one dropped in the film we're talking about this week, which is War for the Planet of the Apes. Made $56 million in its opening weekend. Woohoo! Is that good or bad? It's, um, it's okay. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's the um, feeling that I get, too. For, for a little history, Rise of the Planet of the Apes opened to $54 million. Dawn of mm-hmm. the Planet of the Apes opened to $72 million. So this is certainly on the, you know, this third chapter, it's, it's, it's a come down from Dawn. Now, there's a bit of a difference. Uh, 2014, there was a lot of somewhat underperformers and franchising not quite going as well as thought. Um, where this one, there's a lot of films out right now, and uh, they're pretty much everything making up the top ten, for the most part, is generally regarded pretty well. So it's um, it's made, it's a lot of competition. Uh, we'll get into other reasons why War may have not have been the, the film people need to see right away this weekend as we get into our review for it. But yeah, or it still yeah. made a respectable amount of money and we'll see where the, you know, the legs take it from there. Also Spider-Man, um, pretty big come down for Spider-Man from last week. Um, no. Made uh made 45 million. Uh, one of the lower drop or like bigger drops percentage wise um, for like an MCU movie. So it's still, again, it's still making a lot of money and <laughs> I think, I feel like I've almost jinxed myself by saying last week this seems like the first time Spider-Man is not going to screw me over in the box office game, but we'll, we'll see where that goes. We'll see what happens. Um, Jinx. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, <laughs> Despicable Me 3 still making money. Another one that we have all predicted fairly high, although I don't think it's going to be as high as many of us predicted. Let's see. Wonder Woman still in the top 10. Um, still, Might even take number one. Still looking to probably be the number one film of the summer. Yeah. Uh, Cars 3, still making money. Transformers, slowly dying a slow death out of the box office. And, yeah, so that... But, yeah, main thing. Yeah? Wait, what did you say was going to be the number one film of the summer so far? Wonder Woman's going to outpace Guardians at this point. You think it will? It's at 380, and it's still making money. It's only, like, $10 million away from it. It's 6 million behind Guardians right now. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um... Wow. And Despicable Me did not do anywhere near as well as uh, we all were thinking. I mean, yeah. it's not going to make 400. I don't think it was going to make 400, but I thought it'd get in like the 350 range. But yeah, it's uh, so far it's not going to do that. Interesting. What, I don't know if Aaron or Abe or Yancey knows this, but typically I always thought the whole thing is, is that the third movie in a franchise has a huge weekend. Like Spider-Man 3, Return of the King, I'm pretty sure those are bigger. So I, so when you're saying War of the Planet of the Apes is $20 million less than Dawn, is that the first time that the third movie doesn't have the biggest opening? Usually I think for like the third one is really I don't, I don't think it's the first time, but it's certainly, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big come down compared to previous times. Oh, 
You know what? I can tell you, it probably won't be the last time. You know what? I think Mockingjay was not as. I think Catching Fire is the peak of those movies. I think Mockingjay was uh, uh, not as big of a weekend. No, yeah, Catching Fire was like the biggest one there as far as opening weekend. I think the second Transformers, Revenge of the Fall, excuse me, Revenge of the Fallen was the biggest opening one there. So I mean, no, it's not unprecedented at all for the third one. There was like that. There was that one. Like 2007 was crazy because it had Spider-Man three, Shrek three. Pirates of the Caribbean 3 and um, Born Ultimatum that all came out like in that same <laughs> summer. And they, those all had like giant opening weekends. Um, but no, yeah, oh, not, uh, like like Matrix Revolutions didn't open the strongest either. Well, it's true. Right, like, right. That was, you know, yeah. And probably adjusted for inflation, Godfather 3 didn't open to the highest. So, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's not an unheard of thing. It's been known to happen. By the way, I was thinking about this the other day. This is relevant and irrelevant. I was like, you know, how did the Divergent series end? And I remember that they were going to do the TV, and I don't remember if they ever did the TV thing. You would have known. No, they did not. Okay. So and that's another I, one. Insurgent was, like, the biggest gross. Now I don't know what, how the series ends. Thanks a lot. Well, it's not well, happened. That's... It's not happened yet. <laughs> and I know well, you're, you're dying to find out what happens in the Divergent series. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know what's beyond the wall. Was that, was that a We went beyond the wall. That was the uh, first They one. did? Yes. <laughs> Oh, they're totally beyond the wall. Yeah, I mean, the third one actually I thought was better. The second oh, one is right. Really... It's Jeff Daniels. Yeah, Jeff Daniels <laughs> yeah, would be Jeff on the wall. It was just a giant Jeff like... Daniels. He was walking around yeah. being like, "Hey, it's me, <laughs> Jeff Daniels." Let's get back on track. We don't need to discuss Divergent, Allegiant, or whatever they're called. <laughs> okay, Contingent. So, with all that out of the way, yeah, War for the Planet of the Apes. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks, of course. But uh, yeah, uh, fifty-six million at the start. Yeah, let's show notes. So let's move on now, guys. Let's get to let's get to everybody. Reach we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know everybody. <laughs> a little a little wonky. <laughs> Sound, sounded good on my end. Okay. <laughs> um Peter and Yancey, you've been subject to my Guardian soundtrack question, so I don't have to do it this week. It's the first oh, time yeah, in a while. <laughs> so I will move to my second question that I do have ready. What would be your ape name? How dare you? I have something so close to that. But it's not that, so we're almost good. <laughs> what would be your ape name? We have Caesar, we have Blue Eyes, Ash, Rocket, Kuba, Cornelius, Dr. Pockets. Zayas. I would be Pockets. Pockets? I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I wear pants as an ape. Cargo shorts. Cargo shorts to carry all those items. Maybe Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Another one for Peter. (laughs) So I I heard Pockets and Big Mouth so far. What else we got? Uh, We got Small Guy. Small Guy. (laughs) Small Guy. (laughs) I like Pockets, though. That's very I like Pockets. That's fun. (laughs) Actually, you know what they might call me? They might call me the Lawgiver. That's a good name for me. (laughs) You're you're, you're taking the Lawgiver? Yeah, well, he hasn't been established in this new series yet, so I'll be the lawgiver. Is it is it so John Houston? Is he played the lawgiver? The lawgiver, right? He plays the lawgiver in the yeah, fifth John Houston, one from yeah. the old series. Yeah, in, in battle, in battle for the planet of the apes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, also, if we're if we're dealing with like the zoo thing, when I, back in the day, a million years ago, when I was in college, I thought uh, you were gonna say when you were a zookeeper. <laughs> some of my friends' colleges, their email would be the first uh, four letters of your last name and then your first name. So I was parapet because Peter Paris is parapet. So maybe I'd be parapets because the word pets in there. Um, yeah, but but the, I like the, the other apes wouldn't know what the hell you were talking about. They wouldn't want to have that. They want to have something real. That's true. Uh, 
Um, What's that yeah, gorilla that's white called? Winter. Done. Makes sense. <laughs> like pockets. He's got all the shiny things in his pockets. He's, he's got shiny things in his pockets, <laughs> or he always has his hands to his sides. Like pockets. I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Bright eyes. Complicated I get it. here with email addresses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've got a question for you guys, which is very similar. And my question was, if you were conducting experiments on an ape that would take over the world, what would you name it? Hmm. Um, I'd probably name it, hopefully this works. That's a very long and complicated name. How's it complicated? <laughs> it's, like, it's long, sure. It's not complicated. His acronym, or his, his initials would be HTW. There you go. Hut. Hut. I would name him Sweet Pea. Sweet Pea. It's nice. Yep. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. I don't know what I would name uh, Pete's down the hall. I feel like I feel like mine would be like Bub. It would just be some name or go something. Go for a Day of the Dead. Day of Bub. the Dead Bub? Day of the Dead Bub. He's going to watch that movie later, like decades later on Blu-ray and be like, oh, I guess my master or I guess my creator was uh, was very into horror movies. Then he'll <laughs> choke on them to him. That's true. After, after he devours his legs. Go <laughs> <laughs> on him. Well, that was good. Yeah, hopefully this works. Bub and uh, uh, actually, you know, <laughs> you know what's funny uh, that you mentioned that about about Day of the Dead. I actually thought that this new Planet of the Apes trilogy, the closest thing to compare it to, would be those first three Romero Dead movies, almost in terms of like the humanity being wiped out. I can see that to a degree. We'll get to that. I can see, that. I can see, I can see where you're going with that. Yeah, all right, thanks. I compare them to, to the um, "Look Who's Talking Now" series myself, but I mean, they all it all sure. kind of comes. <laughs> a lot of Bruce Willis in both of them, yeah. <laughs> in two of them, yeah. Not the third one because the baby. Oh, baby. third one would make, would make the most sense with the uh, the bald head shaving. Well, the third well the third one's the dogs, right? So it's you know, we don't need to talk about uh, that one. All right, anyway, we can talk about the series in general, but we don't need to talk about that third one. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Danson? No, that's that's three men and a baby. Oh, okay, my bad. No, look, he's talking. John Travolta, Kirstie okay. Alley, and then Bruce Willis as Mikey. <laughs> That's how much we know but, about movies. But films. the third one's and the dogs things. with um, Danny DeVito as one of the dogs, and I forget who plays the female dog in that scenario. I don't think it's the Ray fourth Pearl. one was dead people, wasn't it? There, there are four of them. No, yeah, the fourth one was all about dead people to talk. I think. <laughs> yeah, I had Haley Jalosman and Bruce Willis again. Bruce Willis yeah, came back for that one. He grew up. Bruce Willis from Mikey grew up to become a, a psychiatrist for children, and he met That's Haley Jalosman. Fan theory on the internet. Put that out there. Yeah, like, <laughs> the right. sixth sense is secretly the fourth sequel to Look Who's Talking. <laughs> Mind blowing theory. Actually, you would be really weird. Diane Keaton is the name you're looking for. The other dog. Oh, she played the other. Oh, Diane yeah. Keaton played the other. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that research. <laughs> that was, <that's> <laughs> You're welcome. Let's go. Let's move Good. on. <laughs> okay. That's how you play. Nobody. No, everybody. All right. Moving on. Let's get out of quickies. Yep. Each week out now, we will move to talk about quickies. Yep. That was pretty good this week. Thank you. You're welcome. Pause for applause. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Abe, what else have you seen yes. this week? Jackie Brown. It's on Amazon Prime streaming. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like Quentin Tarantino-ish, but that's probably because it's based on the book. He, what? <laughs> he, he adapted it, but uh, I like uh, Michael Keaton in it, even though Michael Keaton is pretty much like the, you know not doing anything crazy like he used to do in Beetlejuice or anything that he's doing now with Vulture. But still, 
It's a good performance by everybody in that movie. <laughs> even uh, Robert De Niro, even though he has like four speaking lines. Even one of the greatest actors of our gen- of our time. Yeah. <laughs> he, he managed to do something good in that one. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him uh, turning down the last uh, smoking weed. That was the last time he was good, I think, De Niro. Ooh. No, he was good in The Intern. Oh, okay, but I mean, yeah, all right. I know it's not a heavy role, but he was good. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard as well. He's a professional actor. He's always good, but like, I don't know. I I I know he was the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying really hard, I think. Yeah, trying really hard. (laughs) I also watched, uh, in honor of War of the Planet of the Apes, and because I spoke to this woman after the movie, Planet of the Apes, 1968 which I had never seen before. And she and I were talking, and she had mentioned all these things that I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. And now I'm pretty intrigued. I watch it, and it's good. I liked it. But kind of wish that it was, uh, I don't know what, but I certainly like some of the cinematography early on when their spaceship is landing. Anyway. Good insight there. Yeah. First, we, we, crit- we criticize what I think is, my, is the best Quentin Tarantino film, and then, hey, this classic Planet of the Apes movie, it's okay, Ace. Yeah. <laughs> because it's more, because it, are you saying because it's more controlled? What? Uh, Jackie Brown. It's not a matter of being controlled or not. It's, just, I, I, it's my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. All right. Although it feels exactly like a Tarantino movie. Uh, Planet of the Apes, by the way, Abe, you can watch it again with our commentary track that we recorded for it a couple years ago. Was that Planet of the Apes, or was that um, Planet of the Apes? One? I no, I, I have no reason to watch the Tim Burton one ever again. No, no, no. I, th- I thought we did like Beneath the Planet of the Apes or something like that. No, we did Planet of the Apes. Okay. <laughs> you you weren't there clearly. <laughs> Which is why I was like, oh, I don't remember doing that. Anyhow, that was all my TMs. Any other thoughts on Planet of the Apes? I'm very curious. 1968. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love I love the whole 60s Planet of the Apes series. Although. Yancey always reminds me that Battle is just okay, but I, I really like Battle. Well, it is just okay. It's, okay. it's the movie that, if it had a bigger budget, it probably could have been one of the better ones, but it just kind of comes off. The first one is great, though. I don't know. The first yeah, one's a classic a, for a, a reason. Like, it's, a, it's an enduring there, classic. There's a lot of really neat stuff that they do. One of the things I noticed a lot was just when they're walking through the desert, well, the footprints are really fresh, so I don't know if they combed everything after each take or... What or it's a professional it was just... movie? I like to think they held up continuity in some degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just it was neat to see that. It was also cool to see uh, Charlton Heston just laughing into the sun at one point after he talks to uh, or after he sees uh, his buddy plant the flag, which was made me laugh out loud. And uh, Heston's arc in that is great. I think going from this ha ha everything you know is dead attitude to like being humbled by the end. Well, I, I mean, even in his attitude, it really when he's going to go into hypersleep, it's just more of, well, I, I'm tired of Earth and I'm tired of all these jerks that are just not willing to listen and fight with, or and always fighting with each other. So hopefully those guys are gone. And yeah, I love that's, that. that's that's really what I like about his uh, his thing. And then he, he finds out that they did kill themselves. Don't ruin the ending. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anybody else? Yeah, see, what else have you seen this week? Uh, I saw, I'll do it quickly so as not to engender argument. I saw uh, Baby Driver and did not like it much. I saw Allied, did not like much. And I saw this documentary, Contemporary Color, which I thought was fantastic, the David Byrne thing. What's that about? It's a, it, you know, it sounds boring. They, he organized this, uh, this uh, event where 10 different high school uh, color guard teams 
matched up with 10, like, sort of indie music artists and performed this sort of show. It sounds like it would be dull as dishwater, but the way it's made by these two brothers, I can't remember what their names are, but it's a really brilliantly made documentary. Um, I, I, I just watched it last night and thought it was terrific. And then I also watched, uh, for the first time in a long time, I watched Smokey and the Bandit, the first one, and sure. it's a, a very fun movie, I think. That holds up really well in terms of what it is. How many smo- you can see only- why it was... How many Smokey and the Bandit movies are there? Well, there's only three official ones. Three, three, and then they did a bunch for television. But the second and third are bad. But the first one, you can see why it was such a big hit in that Star Wars year. It's really, like, charming. So, what, Reynolds and uh, Dom Dolly? Reynolds and, Reynolds and Sally Field and, uh, and, Glee- and Gleason, all three of which are, like, Gleason. incredibly star performances. Think- Gleason, of course, sorry, go ahead. What am I thinking of with Dom Dolly's? Dom Do- you're thinking of Cannonball Run. Cannonball Run, there we go, okay. It's not good. <laughs> I think Smoking the Band, it's the only good Hal Needham other than Hooper. But it's a lot of fun. All right. Peter, how about you? What have you seen this week? I just saw Wish Upon last night. I'm really curious to see if that is going to what is the what's the record for the most nominations at the Oscars? I'm just kidding. Uh, twenty four. <laughs> uh, is it really twenty four? No. no. <laughs> I don't believe there are twenty four categories. There are twenty four categories. It's like okay. it's like fourteen, I think, is like the record. Yeah, but it was. It's the guy who directed Annabelle, right? Which a lot of people hated. Um, the first right. Annabelle, rightly, rightly so. Yes. Well, see, you know, I was I was always a little mixed on Annabelle. Like, there's a there's an incompetence to it that I was always like, this is bad. But then there's other qualities about Annabelle that I was like, mm, I kind of I don't mind this. And this is better. But this is <laughs> like, no, this is better. Joey King. She's a mostly good lead, mostly good supporting cast. I guess I felt like I guess I feel like it's one of those things where it doesn't really work as a serious horror film. It's not really scary. And as it as the movie goes on, it starts to take on more of a it kind of embraces its final destination kind of ridiculousness. And then I think then it gets kind of fun that I was like, oh, OK, that's what this movie is. It's kind of a Oculus Oculus. You know, it's it's a special weird thing that has gone through and killed people through time. And then it's also the that, you know, invisible serial killer thing, which is what um, Final Destination movies are. Well, the premise of this is what? There's like a box that she finds and she can make wishes into it? Right. You can make seven wishes. Seven. But That's a big takes, number. It takes the character for That helps pad out the 90-minute runtime area. Well, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> one of the things that frustrated me was that it, it takes her forever to realize that anytime she makes a wish, like, oh, I wish the mean girl would rot, you know, and then she – the mean girl is terrible, you know, like she might have to lose a leg or whatever, or lose a toe or something because her skin is rotting. The next day someone dies and it takes her forever to realize, huh, maybe every time I make a wish, that's why these people that are close Which to wish me. Does she realize that it was it? Number six. six. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. <laughs> she doesn't realize it. It's the guy from, I think, um, I think it's the guy I'll feel, I'll feel horribly racist if I'm wrong, but I, I think he's the, Korean actor from um, Edge of Seventeen. I think it's that guy, and he's the one who basically is like, "Wait a minute, don't you realize that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, how is she not realizing this?" Like, um, yeah. But once once that happens, once the smart friend with the info comes in, and then it becomes all you know, well, what are the rules and how do we beat this thing? Then it's totally ridiculous. But then I was on board. 
but it really takes her forever. To, and it's weird because we as an audience, we we see the correlation. The box, the music box opens up and then you cut to Sherilyn Fenn getting her, you know, her neck snapped from um, uh, what's the thing? Uh, garbage disposal. Just to, just to just to go just to go back for a second, the Korean guy that you're thinking of is is uh, Miho Minho from uh, the Maze Runner series and Dong from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, that's right. I not the guy I, from us. I, I, I was gonna correct you later. So <laughs> no, I am racist. Uh, no, 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 Peter, you're Asian. <laughs> but he's he's good. He was fine. I mean, I like. And then the girl from Stranger Things was in it. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, so essentially, I've talked way too much about this mediocre movie, but uh, I, I like. Wait, I, Peter, like I just want to ask one final question. At the yeah. end of the movie, is there a guy with like a long coat that closes the box and then laughs as you as he walks away with it again? Uh, <laughs> so like a gremlin's ending. You don't see his face. Yeah, that would be amazing. But no, it's funny you say that because there's a part of the movie where you think they are leading to that because she keeps seeing someone. Someone that's like a hooded that she can't tell is outside. Oh, the bye bye man? She saw the bye bye man? <laughs> well, but basically, basically, there's a character where it's like, oh, maybe somebody knows about the box and is going to steal it from her. But it's kind of lame. It's not what you think. But that would have been good. Uh, but no, that's not what happens. Does she, yeah. use, okay. does she use monkey paws to fight off the box? No, she. No, I'm not going to give it away. I, I'm anybody. kidding. Okay. <laughs> but, anyways, that's what I saw. So, um, oh, wait, wait. Actually, wait, wait, wait. As a side note, I actually have been watching a bunch of other movies, but one I was curious about, and I've talked to Aaron, but I don't know about Abe and Yancey. What did you guys think of Dark Blue, the Kurt Russell film about uh, the Rodney King verdict and everything? I just saw it for the first time. Uh, I remember the box cover. As, I, as I've told you, I think Kurt Russell's very good in it. It's probably one of his best performances as like an actor, like beyond just like being charming Kurt Russell, but the movie itself is okay. I, can see I agree with Aaron on that one. But Kurt Russell is really good. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's a really good career. I'm like, he, he's, he really embraces this kind of quality of a person that we would find terrible. And he manages to have an arc in it so that by the end, we do believe in where his character goes. But yeah, the movie's okay. But, but he's really good, man. Like, and it has I, like a lot of people that you kind of like, it has, it's Ron Shelton um, yep. directing and James Elroy of LA Confidential fame and um, David Ayer when he was still making LA cop movies like all of them are working together and it has him in like ving rames is like the police chief right ving Ra- he's although ving rames isn't in it as much as you think but, no, yes. but like i'm still like as far as like hey that's a presence i can like respect like that kind of thing going on and like kurt russell that's the point where like he did that in, like miracle like a couple of years later and it's like where's this kurt russell like i like seeing this guy like doing his thing like and then that just kind of didn't really go anywhere as far as him doing like serious roles he's kind of well, he's got he's got planes to fly and uh children <laughs> to raise so Regardless, it was just this kind of like he did like what like Vanilla Sky, Dark Blue, and Miracle like back to back to back. It's like there's a neat little like trilogy of Kurt he's, Russell performances going on. He's right there. really good in Vanilla Sky. He's good. He at that. He's terrific. Yeah. Yeah, and it just kind of it didn't really go anywhere. I mean, he still does. He just did. I mean, he did like Sky High after Miracle, and I like Sky High quite a bit. But like, you know, it's it's more back to like Kurt Russell just being cool, which is fine. I'm happy with Kurt Russell being cool, but it's just like yeah, something like Dark Blue is like I don't see this Kurt Russell very often. Like serious like introspective giving a gritty cop performance movie like that's neat yeah no i agree but yeah but yeah the movie's okay but like yeah anyway so that that was i should have led with that you guys all had much more to say about that one so i like the wish upon discussion (laughs) i'm also also very much looking forward to uh happy death day uh which was in uh friday the 13th it's opening that looks fun i gotta say wish upon is a truly awful title (laughs) yeah it is a bad title 
Yeah, I agree. Truly, truly. What awful. we don't know is that was like the 90th. The that was the 90th title suggestion that they chose. <laughs> sure. All the other ones were Disney trademarks. They couldn't use them, so they had to find some formation that wasn't. That's right. Yeah. Go into what I've seen this week. I've seen a, I've seen a few things. Uh, first up, Anna and I, have, I mentioned last week, we've been revisiting uh, Christopher Nolan's films. And I'm telling you guys, this Nolan guy's going places. I don't know, man. I mean, his <laughs> filmography is just so low, Aaron. It's um, it's uh, it's pretty impressive what he's been doing. But no, he watched The Prestige. Holds up well. I still have others ranked in front of it as far as my Christopher Nolan rankings go. But I, I really like the movies that he's you know kind of put forth. And it's neat going back through his movies as we prepare for, uh, for Dunkirk. Let's see, what else? I, I watched the... Um, the HBO documentary miniseries, The Defiant Ones. Did anyone else check this out? I haven't, but I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. It's uh, it's quite good. So this goes over the, um, it's kind of, it's neat. It's like a dual narrative um, that goes over the life of both Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Dr. Dre, of course, being from NWA and, you know, plenty of things in the rap world. And uh, Jimmy Iovine being, you know, a big, a big music producer and what have you. And so it kind of cuts back and forth between their lives and goes over what led to them becoming like a, a, a force between each other. They teamed up and made a deal and then led to like this giant deal where uh, Beats was uh, bought by Apple and all that. So it's like, and it, it's a neat kind of origin story for both men and like all the people they were involved with and whatnot. And uh, it's four parts. Each episode's like about an hour. Some are a little longer. Um, but really neat. Really neat to, to watch and go over and kind of see all these different interviews from a lot of different people. Uh, from all over the you know the music scene and whatnot. Um, I'm disappointed that it's not a remake of the Defiant Ones with Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre in handcuffs. Yeah, it's, yeah replacing what Sidney Poitier <laughs> and uh, Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I was like, wow, this is it. I'm down for this. this they already made that remake. Fled with uh, Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Stephen Baldwin. They they made that remake already. So. Stephen oh, right. Fled. Fled. Let's fled. That's Stephen Baldwin's ears just perked up because someone mentioned Fled on the line somewhere. <laughs> what was the one with? What was the other one with uh, Cuba Cuba Gooding and an ice cream truck? That's like Skeet Ulrich. Uh, Skeet Ulrich and Cuba Gooding in uh, Chill Factor was the name of that Chill movie. Fa- Chill Factor. That's a that's a good uh, title if you were in like the 1990s. Cuba Gooding. Pl- yeah, it is. That's, Gooding, that's a that's a perfect 90s title. Chill yeah. Factor. Cuba Gooding plays, I believe, a ice cream man in an ice cream truck, and Skeet Ulrich is like a secret agent trying to protect this like nuclear bomb thing that like has to stay cool, which is why he needs the ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> and those movies are both on my I'll never see them list. That's why obviously it's a drama. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> like, so, wait, you've opened up a huge box here. I have so many questions. Why would he choose an ice cream truck? Well, I think he's like on the run, and he like air? runs into the. He runs into Cuba Gooding. He's like, "Oh, I need your ice cream." <laughs> is this pre or post Oscar? This is post Oscar. Uh, so it's like Cuba. speed in an ice cream truck. Yes. Well, all right. Um, that was that director's only film. Apparently, <laughs> that uh, leads to bigger and brighter like, things. It's like Night of the Hunter. You only do one. Make it make it make it count. Yeah, Lawton was like, "Man, I wish that did better." <laughs> he. He, he, he's in the same direct beat. They really share a thing here between the night, night of the hunter and chill factor. Um, all right. I think that's enough of that. How's that now, quickies? Yep. Let's, <laughs> let's move on now, guys. Let's get to, let's get to our, um, our trailer talk. We're talking about one of the newest movie trailers of the week. Well, I thought of it when it's coming out and what have you. And this week, uh, the first trailer for A Wrinkle in Time came out. Uh, this is the new film from director Ava DuVernay, who, uh, this, been given uh, 
$100 million budget to adapt this uh, famed children's novel. I'm going to read the IMDb description because I've not read this book. Um, I don't offhand know what the plot is beyond seeing these teaser images. So it says right here, After the disappearance of her scientist father, three peculiar beings send Meg, her brother, and her friend to space in order to find him. The film stars Chris Pine, Reese Witherspoon, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Michael Pena, Zach Galifianakis, and Oprah Winfrey. Well, that. Peter, what do you think of the trailer for A Wrinkle in Time? I liked it. Um, I'm hopeful. I don't really know the story of A Wrinkle in Time. I know it's a classic. I don't really know too much about the story. The production value is good. The only tiny thing is that what was the movie that Peter Jackson did? Oh, Lovely, Lovely Bones. Bones. There's always that weird Lovely Bones, what dreams may come quality to these kind of movies where it's like it's fantastic and it's colorful, but it almost can feel a little too saccharine or something. So that was my only that's my only thing. Now, I mean, obviously, I really like Selma and I like uh, this is it saccharine. I mean, I, like those movies are playing no. in, like a fantasy world where it's deadly serious and involves like a some kind of other right. element there. Where this one just seems like a pretty like a yeah. blockbuster epic type movie. Right, right. So that's that's my. But again, well, no, I'm just saying visually that was the only thing that occurred to me. I was like, eh. but but you're right. Tone wise, it's different. Um, but no, no, I, I liked it, and you know, I'm a big Chris Pine guy, so I really like I really like him. So because I mean, he smells nice. Um, what'd you say? Because he smells nice. He probably does smell. Used to work at Cheesecake Factory at the Grove. As wow. A, uh, back in the day. Um, but but yeah, no, no. I thought no, I think it looks solid and stuff. We're kind of weird. I mean, it kind of fits having Oprah basically play like God or something. Like I was like, ah, I can I can see that. You know, the girl seems good to lead. Um, so so far solid. But I don't know the story as well as maybe you or Yancy does. So I can't. There aren't things where I'm like, oh, that's so much like that, you know, so, but I, yeah, I, I was intrigued. What about you, Yancey? What did you think of the trailer? Uh, you know, it, it looked like a modern movie trailer. I read that book. There was a time when my dad was making me read all the Newbery Award winners, as I recall. That was one. Yeah. But all I remember is a, like a centaur. It was very early. I don't remember any of the stuff um, that I saw in the trailer. Um, it looks good. Hopefully it's good. I'm assuming that that, that that book is the first in a series of five, so... I think we all know what's going on there, but hopefully it's good. A quintilogy? Yes. Yes. That's. And then they're going to split the last one, so it's actually, uh, I guess, uh, well, I don't know what six is. It would be sexology? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. <laughs> hey, what do you think of the trailer? I love the uh, I love the choice of the Eurythmics cover, Sweet Dreams, and that was really, uh, it, was a, it was a good cover to, to have, and it kind of made sense. Um, I do enjoy Chris Pine, uh, especially when he's looks like he's in a scientific serious dad role here, which I don't think I've seen him in before. It looks so like he's ripping good. on George Clooney in Tomorrowland. See, that's the vibe that I got too, With especially more when hair. They, they warp uh, the daughter and the friend warp into, I guess, these other worlds that are going on. And to Yancey's point, I also remember the the book cover, and that kind of. Made me not want to read it, even though it had the Newbery Award winner. It was because it's like really dark, and there's like yeah, this centaur in the top center of the book cover, and I yeah. was like, I don't know what this is all about. Abe gets but, scared uh, by man horses pretty quickly, so yeah. <laughs> that's why I didn't like Harry Potter and the and the uh, Sorcerer's Stone because when they get to the centaur, I was just like, no, please don't take. I don't even know what happens. There's a centaur but, in that movie. I haven't seen the first one. There is. Like, the longest yeah. time. <laughs> so. I don't know if he's called. He, he, there's a centaur in that movie. There's a, there's a whole entire breed of centaurs in the in the uh, forest. Um, in any case, worse in that movie. <laughs> okay. 
There is a forest. Fangorn Forest, man. Come on. Um, Come on. I don't read these. I don't watch them (laughs) over and over again. Yeah. But back to uh, Wrinkle in Time. Uh, I'm going to wait and see if there's like another trailer that comes out because I'm interested. But like what Aaron mentioned tomorrow, that's the vibes that I got as well, which I was like, oh, this looks cool. This looks fun and neat. And. I'm really happy that they're going to expand on Tomorrowland the the the, the uh, I was going to say show, but the ride. But still, this uh, this is rooted in a book, so it's probably got things fleshed out. And I trust Ava DuVernay, and everybody that is casted is pretty solid. So I I'm not as hesitant as uh, I perhaps might have been if I had just seen this and also uh, seen Tomorrowland back to back. A lot of Tomorrowland talk. Uh, which I started, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think the trailer looks fine. I mean, it, it looks like a Disney plot. It's neat how you can see kind of different studios have a different vibe to their visual effects, and this looks like one that comes from Disney. Like, this kind of fits in line with, as we mentioned, Tomorrowland, let alone, like, the Alice movies or whatnot, like, the, the same kind of, like, the ILM, ILM's work with Disney movies all kind of runs together at this point. I don't hope it's just not as, like, muddy and terrible like Maleficent. But as far as, you know, the movie goes, yeah, it, it looks looks like a suitably epic blockbuster. I always find it neat when, like, Oprah pops up in something. She has a very distinct presence in movies, and so I'll be curious how she kind of interplays with the rest of the cast. Because Oprah, you know, she's an actress, but, like, I don't, you don't see her acting too much, given that she, you know, had the... You know what I, get, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's you a, mean? Long, yeah. a long time between, like, major roles for Oprah Winfrey in movies. Yeah, so she like, can kind of pick and choose her roles. Yeah. Well, I mean, plus she had, you know, her network and all that. Well, yeah, it was like she's so got long. her whole she's got her whole empire to run as well. Yeah, it was like she you know you debut with Color Purple and then you go off for years to become this like influence in other areas and then you come back to acting every now and then, such as Lee Daniels, Lee Daniels the Butler. I was gonna, uh, so, I was gonna so, bring that up. <laughs> yeah, so it's like yeah, as a whole, I'll be curious to see where it goes. I, I'm I'm I I'm a big fan of Selma, but at the same time, it's not like I'm like well she made Selma, so clearly Evan Duvernay needs to do like a hundred million dollar Disney blockbuster. So I'll be you know I'll be curious where things go from there. Yeah, with that said, uh, A Wrinkle in Time Open Theaters, March 9th uh, next year. All right, so with that out of the way, let's um, get to our main film review, guys, for War for the Planet of the Apes. We are not savages. Apes fight only to survive. Bad human kill apes. All, all dead now a long time. long time. Bad humans. It's soldier. Years from now, your children will ask you, what did you do in the greatest war? And you can tell them, I fought to protect this world. We created them. But now, we will bring an end to their kind. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for War for the Planet of the Apes. War is the ninth film in the ongoing Planet of the Apes franchise, which initially had five films and a reimagining in 2001 by Tim Burton. Things changed for the better after that reboot attempt as Rise was a sleeper hit back in 2011. Don capitalized off that success in 2014. Now we have the third chapter in this reboot series, which continues its focus on Caesar, played by Andy Serkis, and his apes. Uh, while they are trying to get away from human armies looking to wipe them out, Caesar chooses to bring an attack to a vicious colonel played by Woody Harrelson after tragedy strikes. From there, Caesar and his top apes, top apes, travel to locate the colonel and make various discoveries that may change the shape of the world and once and for all solidify Earth as a planet of apes. 
Peter Paris, where have you been with this uh, this this franchise? Uh, I've always I've always liked the uh, one from the '60s and '70s. Um, growing up as a kid, and one of my first jobs when I moved to LA, um, I got to work on the Fox lot, and I was there when we screened the Tim Burton one. And Yancey always teases me about this because it was like they basically had a huge like barbecue and like you got your burger your ape burgers from guys in planet of the apes costumes i saw like <laughs> i saw the, i saw the tim burton one twice that day and i had a okay. terrific time <laughs> and right I mean, it was pretty much the example of being like mm, this movie isn't very good but i'm young and this is my first studio gig and this is awesome like um three and a half stars everybody. yes three and a half stars um but you know yes i mean now that I've had time to, uh, I've I've watched the Blu-ray of the originals, and I have rewatched the Tim Burton one, and I've seen Rise twice, uh, but I only saw Dawn once. Um, but in general, I'm a big fan of the series. The Burton one is the probably yeah, it probably is the weakest, although the makeup's awesome. Um, but I was a huge fan of Rise. Uh, Yancey and I went to the screening. Actually, who knows? Aaron, you were probably there too, and we had low expectations, and we were both like, "Wow, that was really good." I maintained we that I was like the one guy excited for Rise, and it turned out to be like the best thing that <laughs> happened. And then we saw Dawn, and I thought Dawn was okay. I and I remember Aaron, who we'll get into this in a second. Dawn really, or Aaron really liked it. Now I only saw Dawn once, and I actually just got it on my streaming, so maybe I'll I'll rewatch it. But um, I I really loved War, which we'll get into in a second. But in general, yeah, I'm a I'm uh, yes, I would say I am a fan uh, of the series. Yancy, yeah, how about you? Where where are you with all this? Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, of course, like the originals from the late 60s and 70s, the first four of which are pretty good. Uh, uh, didn't like the Tim Burton one much beyond the uh, costume design. Um, as far as this as far as this new trilogy, yeah, I, I quite like the first one. I, it was it was definitely a surprise that summer. I did not like Dawn. I know that everyone else seemed to, but I don't know if I just went to a bad screening with Pete, but I saw it twice uh, in the week it came out and both times I thought it was. Uh, it didn't move the football farther enough, far enough down the field. I, I you know, I, I'm curious about how the the, the apes got t- took over the world, but I don't know if they needed to do three movies. I think they might have been able to get away with two. Um, but yeah, the second one I thought was a, a bit of a drag, despite the great, obviously great effects work. So, what'd you think of War? Terrific, terrific. It's such a funny year for me because a lot of the movies that get great reviews this summer, like Logan and Baby Driver, I haven't responded to well. But this one I thought was just terrific from the beginning. I could tell from the first scene with the army guys crouching in the woods with the various things written on their helmets, a la Full Metal Jacket. I could tell right away it was what I got in trouble for calling a real movie. But I think it is a real movie. It feels like it feels like Reeves did such a good job with the last one that they gave him a little more power on this one because it feels much more like a real movie. There's genuine movie magic throughout. This is a movie that has such confidence in its special effects that most of the power from this movie comes from the way movies were powered in the 1920s in terms of close-ups. <clears throat> close-ups in this movie throughout are just outstanding, and there are these eight faces with actors underneath, and it's, it's amazing how moving a lot of it is. Um, I basically felt like it was a much better remake of the second one, including an upgrade from a hammy Oldman to a really good uh, Woody Harrelson, who's one of the better barking mad uh, army bad guys we've seen in a movie in a while um really good really effective i think you were talking earlier about the box office but i think this is the kind of movie that will uh, build a pretty strong uh, uh cult by the end of the year i mean i think it's just a really good movie and i think it'll find its its place it's, it's definitely a serious-minded picture i can see why it doesn't really uh appeal to the sort of bubbly the spider-man crowd on the same level but 
you know, it's a really strong movie, really moving, really thoughtful. I mean, again, what other franchise can we think of over the last 10 or 15 years that is so focused on compassion as a virtue? I mean, that's the, the heart of all three of these movies is, is, is the value of the ape's compassion. And Caesar himself is the next time they do one of these AFI 100 years, 100 heroes lists like Caesar after this movie is one of the great movie heroes. You know, I really thought it was tremendous. Abe, mm-hmm. I know you're we've, we've we've done this podcast covering both of the previous films in the series uh, yeah. where, where we responded quite favorably to them. Um, yes, that is where, correct. So where are you with War? War is a really good movie. And I, I enjoyed it a lot for sure. The themes that it brought up um, and I enjoyed the cinematography, especially some of that uh, drone aerial stuff in the first battle, which was like, oh, this is a really good way to, to look at something, which I, you've seen before. But it, it looks really cool now that we've got these uh, you know, 4K red cameras and whatever else that you can do these neat things. Unless it was all just crane stuff. If that's the case, it still looks good. It's still a good entry shot. The score is actually really good as well. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of like, reminds me a lot of like uh, Hulse's uh, Mars stuff. So it's a lot of war type of uh, of, uh, of composing. But again, the themes in it are, there are many. And I think that it really is uh, dependent on how you want to view it. But uh, I don't think any of them would be incorrect or, or, or wrong. But I kind of feel like it, it perhaps maybe shies away in the third act, not because it wants to, but because it needs to close out the movie and it needs to do it in such a way that sort of allows everybody to come to peace with with uh, everything that's transpired. With that being said, it is a pretty strong summer movie. It's something that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting. I, I guess I, I kind of came in with like neutral expectations uh, similar to you guys, because I wasn't expecting something that was going to be hammering on the equality and or any sort of other um, freedom uh, that that uh, Caesar was trying to achieve. Um, really? But then also, after the first two? Yeah, no, I got it, but I, I wasn't sure if it was just to be like an all-out battle or assault on Precinct 13. I don't know why I said assault on Precinct 13. <laughs> that's, just, that's just the first thing that finished after assault. You thought they just dropped the themes even though they have like the same director from the last one coming back? to make? No, that, that's a good point too because the last one was, was very much more of a Hey, by the way, humanity is, or Jason Clark's character is just more of like. By the way, we really want to work with you, but I know there's some bad Gary Oldman type people. I, I think the the Gary Oldman thing was was a little bit better just because they explored some of his his past. I guess it, it sort of led to to uh, me feeling a little bit more not conflicted, but they tried to justify both sides. Yeah, empathetic toward Gary Oldman. Whereas in this one, yeah, Woody Harrelson has a similar situation. Totally understandable. I liked how they they brought in the the, the element of what uh, the Zimian flu does to you, which was uh, pretty neat. And I, I like that they had Steve Zahn in here. Steve Zahn, I, he's been great, great in in a lot of movies that um, don't require him to be goofy. And I'm talking myself like uh, Rescue Don, or even in Mister or Captain Fantastic, where he's got a very small role but very good in it. So, Rescue Don, so good. Yeah, he's great. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, did he get nominated for anything in Rescue Don? No. I'm sure there was some critic circle stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so the themes overall I thought were very good and very strong in here. I thought that the visuals, again, what Yancey pointed out, looks amazing. I mean, there's just no way that even on repeat viewing, I'm sure you'd be like, wow, that I don't know if they did some half like real ape on prosthetic on 
some of these things, and then they just no. did CGI for the face. It's just or, all CG. It's right, incredible. Which, which is amazing. Yeah, it's incredible because I was looking at the way that, uh, I don't know, tears flow and how it conforms to the, the face. And then I was also looking at the way that uh, when water is splashed, how, uh, how you see the beads of water build up. Um, obviously, the snow elements and stuff like that. So it was uh, overall just uh, – I, I will say this, though. Try and see it with like as few people as possible because <laughs> – I mean that in a very sincere way, but it's just very difficult when people are checking their phones or people are shouting or whatever the case. It's just super annoying. And I really wish I had seen this at like a midnight screening on Thursday rather than. You always get uh, like the worst audiences when you go to see movies. <laughs> whenever, well, whenever it's like a, a movie that I'm, I really want to be into and I really want to pay attention to, it's like the worst audience. Uh, so I just I always hate that. But <laughs> try and see this with people that are going to be compelled by what they're seeing on the screen. Rather I mean, than... you can't ask for that. Like, that's I, can... I know that's a big ask. That's why I say it's very sincerely. Well, like, I, Anna I, and I saw it again last night, just, you know, at a movie theater, as you do. And it's like, yeah. there's no problem there. Like, people were no, laughing at the you, Steve's online. Maybe, it's, so, like, it's... maybe it's just me. So, on the whole, pretty good movie. I liked, uh, I liked it a lot. But there were some things I... It's not a perfect movie. Talk about the effects. I mean, I was just, I was just talking about how, like, Wrinkle in Time... Like the it looks like a a movie from the Disney live action blockbuster house. This one, you know, looks like it's coming from the you know the Fox terms of things. But like the the work that Weta's doing with these apes movies is just like incredible. And it's like it's it's always neat to say, or it int- it interests me to say, you know, the effects don't distract me or what have you. They distract me to a point because I'm just curious how they do it, like how this works so well. Like it's not a matter of being pulled out of the experience. I'm just so impressed by seeing these apes coming to life seeing something like maurice especially my mvp of the series and like watching him interact with the world around him it's just like it's so flawless and you like seeing like human characters touch the fur seeing the way like you said abe like how the environment wraps around their bodies like it's just so fascinating to see this you know work so so well especially you know thinking about this franchise as a whole and you know going from admittedly good oscar-winning effects from the 68 version um, from John Goodman, of course, who did the effects, the effects as we know. It's an Argo reference. And then going... <laughs> the Blues Brother know, himself? Yes. The makeup. I think the makeup one, right? The make, Yes, the makeup yeah. one, yes. Um, and then, you know, going to Tim Burton's film, which, yes, is flawed for a number of reasons, but the makeup effects there is like, so it's like, well, they're still doing apes in suits, but they look pretty amazing. And now we have just, you know, there's no ape whatsoever. It's just amazing visuals. And no suits. No suits. Well, there's still a suit, I guess. There's still a motion capture suit with balls all over it. But but it, regardless, yeah, it's just so incredible to see this thing come to life where I can feel everything I need to in these characters and Caesar and Maurice and Rocket is like what's going on with them uh, from an emotional level. And it'll be the the Oscars are always, you know, they're slow to change on this kind of thing. But I, you know, seeing the amount of performance that's going on with Andy Serkis or the others here, it's really great. so I have nothing but praise for you know that aspect of the movie. I will say I do like this movie quite a bit. I'm going to bring up things that will make it seem like I don't like this movie, but that's not that's not what the case is. It's just, I, I need, think that that's how I am too. I, I, I just I need too. to make the points as to what I think it's not doing that made it feel quite as successful as I would have liked it to be. Um, because going into this movie, I, I was I was not feeling like neutral, but I was like I was ready to get not only just one of the best films of the summer, but one of the best films of the year. Like I was that that confident in this series just based off the trajectory it's gone through, how good I thought Rise was, how great I thought Dawn was. I'm like, well, the war for the Planet of the Apes has to be just like the the, the greatest thing ever that I've seen. Um, 
for it to get too hyperbolic on there. And as a result, I'm still happy with it. Like, it's still a very satisfying movie for a number of reasons. I, I do Andy Serkis, as I said, he's, he's tremendous in the role of Caesar. Woody Harrelson's very good here as this kind of vicious leader who has his own agenda going on. Despite being a, having a giant exposition dump in the middle of the movie, he still right. does a number of things that are that that get you on an emotional level of where he's coming from, and even the kind of payoff of what he and Caesar go through, I think, is very fitting. The movie as a whole, it's very bleak, in a way where I like the, what I like about the 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 fifth the sixties seventies series is like it's also very bleak, especially that second one if you know where it goes. Second one, yeah. Um, but the there's a level of it's. It's self-serious to a point, but the kind of commentary going on there gets – it has this different sort of vibe to it where I can – you have fun watching it. And I'd say that holds through with Rise and Dawn. There, it's really serious in this movie in a way that I don't know if it – that's not necessarily a bad thing, but at the same time, this is a summer movie. Like, I, I should be – I feel like I should be having a little bit more fun than I am here, and that's basically all embodied in Bad Ape with Steve Zahn's character. That's, like, the only source of, like, well, you can smile a bit in this movie. And it's it's a weird kind of way to come at it, but like along with that, you get the themes here, which Abe you mentioned, and you guys have mentioned also, like where there's there's you know slavery has always been a kind of a thing in this uh, this franchise in general. There's some Trail of Tears stuff going on here. There's Holocaust imagery going on here. Right. And yeah. it, it's all it just paints such a dark picture, and it's not it's not the worst thing, but at the same time, I think there are ways to handle something like this where it just it doesn't quite feel quite as so satisfied about being as dark as it can possibly be to convey this how the world is changing here yeah but i mean you know it closes out on like a, a bright shot that's true <laughs> so that, that's yeah, they, they don't nuke the sun like the matrix so it has that going for it i guess did they nuke the sun in the matrix well they 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 darkened the sky no shit they they um, took out the sky that, that was their thing Re- regardless um <laughs> I do want to say I do want to add also that I felt like the movie was a, a tad bit long and not a whole lot, maybe just like five or ten minutes long. Well, but it's long in a way where it felt long to me. I agree with you. Like it's not, it's not like most because I think that I liked the the pacing of the first two acts and then it kind of gets into some third act stuff, which again that's where some of the themes fall off. But I want to address uh, the the bleakness of it. I I was okay with it. I, again, I didn't have any expectations. I, I was kind of expecting to see more explosions, which I got from the trailers, and I did get those explosions. But this is a world where humans are going to be wiped out. So why would there be any sort of hope? I, even though Caesar has been always like, you know, I'm not going to harm apes because James Franco was really nice to me, and uh, I, I can see the humanity within the humans, and and they can. We just want to be ourselves, and they can be themselves. We'll just go live in the the redwoods, but. Um, the simian flu, I mean, we saw it in like the first one. The pilot was like nose bleeding. He's he's dead. He's going to die. So, uh, And in the second one, everything's just last of us where it's all broken down. And so It's I don't... a natural progression. I understand that. Like I get that it's it, it it's inherently bleak, just this world that we're in. I don't know. Maybe it's a presentation thing. It's just the way the plot's structured to begin with where it's the, the story's it's all motivated by Caesar has a grudge and it really travels far as they possibly can down that route. Sure. Yeah. Where are you going to say, I think you, I think you guys are being, I think that, 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 that the bleakness is uh, at this point in that series, I'm completely on the side of the apes. Like I could give a crap yeah. about I, the last strand, especially when the humans are like these crazy military guys. Like at that point, the movie was, 
you know, not bleak in that sort of Braveheart way. I know Pete hates Braveheart, but in terms of like, it's heroic. It's genuinely heroic. You genuinely feel like you've been on a journey. I just wanted to add one thing sort of tangentially. There's something I noticed that Reeves does, which I really like in this movie, to end on a note of, of positivity at least. There are two characters that get followed through the whole movie with sort of side shots. Every once in a while, you'll see them giving us a reaction shot, and you know that that means eventually they're going to do something uh, important in the plot. One human and one ape. And the way that that is handled and the way it pays off, I thought was really effective. I agree with that. You'll know if you see it. Yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of it. I mean, the the one thing, the movie's there's so much sign language in here. It's a a very silent movie as far as dialogue goes. But there's... There's a lot of visual storytelling that I certainly appreciate. I like Reeves in general. I think he's done a tremendous job with the films he's handled. I'm a big fan of Cloverfield. I, you know, I really like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I liked his Let the Right One In remake. I, it's, that was great. Let, let Me In was not, terrific. It's not not quite as good as Let the Right One, but I still really like, you know, if you're going to remake that film, he did a pretty terrific job. I mean, yeah, if you're going to remake that film, you you certainly are going to cast Richard Jenkins. And we, as we all, he's, he's in that role, he's better than the person, the original person, um, yep. regardless. Um, and we all love the pallbearer, obviously for Matt Reeves, but the, yeah, moving past that war. <laughs> yes. He, he does a tremendous job of kind of presenting stuff to you without having to explicitly tell you what that stuff is, um, for that, you know, that side aspect and even just the kind of relationships between the characters, specifically the apes, where, yeah. especially if you've been following along with the series. I don't need to be reminded too much of who Rocket and Maurice are, let alone others. It's just like, yeah, there, there they are. Like they're, they're, they're still here. We're doing our th- like I, I listened to our, our Dawn of the Planet of the Apes podcast, Dave. Um, yeah, you said it was good. It well, yeah, it was a good episode. Um, but like I've, I, I called Maurice the Tom Hagen of the Apes franchise, and he's I the consigliere. Yeah, his consigliere, who was the most endearing character. Fortunately, not replaced by George Hamilton for War for the Planet of the Apes, so that worked out pretty well. And uh, but no, I I I have always been a fan of Maurice the character, and I really like that kind of these relationships Caesar has with these these other apes. And again, as watching this whole series through, you you see how they've evolved. Like there's a great level of like kind of everything seems organic as far as how things have fallen right. into places to where we are and whatnot. And I guess just what I'm getting to, as far as what kind of brings it down for me is that Caesar's the way the plot proceeds is based off there's a bit of a convenience as far as why Caesar needs to be involved in a certain thing as he is and just the way that he's shaped as a character here it feels more two-dimensional than it did previously like obviously there's stuff going on within his head I can I get the kind of <laughs> yeah, the, I, think, which is, which is considering well, as sort of what I'm talking about when I'm saying that some of the themes fall off because while I understand your your bone to pick with the um with Caesar being convenient, whatever else, I thought it was like really nice exposition between he and Koba and what they're trying to do there. But it sort of just doesn't really go anywhere. And that's where I was like, well, you know, I guess that, that, that his will was stronger and he's okay. Now he doesn't have to live with demons anymore, but that that's kind of like just a convenient way to wrap things up. But it was much more complex when he's having these flashbacks with like bloody Koba saying, look, man, it's okay. It's okay to be like me. Uh, because that's just that's just who you are and he actually at one point accepts it which um i was surprised by because obviously james franco has done such a good job and john lithgow did such a good job of saying like by the way we're 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 not gonna not all humans are bad and it continues with jason clark and in this one there's there is a character i guess she would be considered the person that helps caesar sort of regain some that that definitely uh, yeah, that that feeling of, you know, we can still coexist. But I, I agree with you, Aaron, that there's just some things 
I, I agree and I disagree with you, which is to say I, I agree with you that, sure, Caesar's there and there's a convenience factor for why he needs to be in the in the plot so heavily and why it becomes sort of like a lone wolf mission. But um, I disagree with that just by saying that I kind of wish that they had done a better job of, of if they're going to have it there, I wish that they, did, they continued with it and well, to else? such a strong degree that they did in the first two acts. What else is – so Peter – what 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 is what is here that makes it this kind of tremendous movie for you? Because you guys both didn't like Dawn, which Abe and I liked a ton more than you clearly. Like, so what what, what is it here that makes this movie so amazing? Well, I mean, it's all, it's certainly possible that I can see Dawn again and go, oh, I was wrong. This is really great. So that's, I mean, I I will always concede that I I could have missed something, you know, first viewing. Um, but as far as this film, it, you know, part of it might just be a a personal thing, but. Um, I have, this is weird. Cause again, this is kind of taking away or not, not to take away that you, you might say, well, Dawn does that, but for some reason I didn't pick up on it, but you know, I'm, I'm really interested in movies, but particularly big movies when we can see ones that are Yancey would say, uh, real. And I would say, uh, films that are more, um, less dialogue heavy. And more silent, even though this movie's not really silent, because like the, the Dawn the, does that. The score, <laughs> the score by who's the score? The lost guy, right? Michael guy. Giacchino. Michael Giacchino, yeah. Amazing score, and like, um, but the the another thing that it does that I I mean, and maybe Dawn does this is that it it you know you've got all these apes and they go on this particular mission, so now you've done a good job of, of going. Okay, we're really only focused on a smaller group. And then instead of it being a war like in Return of the King, which I love, you know, it's it becomes this it does that thing where it's both um, intimate because it's small. It's only like a small band of characters and it's, you know, Harrelson. And then there's that sniper guy or that weird uh, gun guy or whatever. But like but it's also very big because the themes that are running through it feel big. And so. I don't know. Like, that to me is the kind of stuff I really love when a big film can do that, when you can do something with, you know, a wash of snow or a wa- or or an explosion where it's not just the moment. It's that the moment speaks louder to, like, the themes of the story. And I was really impressed with how well this did it. I mean, look, I mean, I'm I am the first to admit that I can when I love a movie. Aaron and Yancey uh, and maybe Abe one day can say that I go a little overboard and that maybe I come down a little, certainly possible. But I don't know. When I left the screening with Yancey, I really felt like this is a movie that in the years to come could be like a Fury Road or I can't think of another one. Yeah, it felt like an instant classic to me, I got to say. Yeah, it really felt like this is – I'm like, yeah, this is a great movie. I'm like, this is – and it's weird. I know what you're talking about, about – what you see is somewhat of a two-dimensional thing for season. I, I get it, you know, but I think, you know what it is? I think it's because his, his drive for uh, vengeance or whatever always seems curtailed by the Maurice character who's always kind of pushing him into the side of, like, humanity, well, or ape-manity or whatever, that it, it can't compassion. just... Uh, compassion. And I really, I guess because of that I thought it worked really well because Yancey's right I'm not a big Braveheart guy and movies that are just about vengeance that doesn't always do it that's not just the freedom like, it's about freedom and vengeance well right right right, right. but I, mm. yes you're right it is but um but I guess I don't know it, it works really well here I mean that moment where you know this isn't a spoiler because if you've seen on the poster there's there's a little blonde girl in the movie and like 
her introduction is great. Not just great in the oh, set yeah. characters, but it's also great in the world of Planet of the Apes and like what that context is. I didn't even think they were going to do that. I was that like, argues oh, all for Maurice though. Like that has nothing to do with Caesar. Like at that point, uh, Maurice, yeah. but Maurice is a major character at this point. I think. He gets yeah, no, I mean, you're talking about is, Caesar, yeah. and now we're talking about Maurice. I mean, I just want to add I, in that scene that that cinematography is really well done. Oh, like yeah. a giant close-up on Maurice. Well, it, it's point. all yeah. Well, it's a close-up, but also just super bouquet, like super out of focus, and then slowly comes into focus, and it's just like, wow, this is a really extended, well done shot uh, with no dialogue at all. Peter, what I, think I, I hear, totally, what, I, I think it's totally fair to to, to 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 yeah, I think it's totally fair to. to ha- oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Peter, I, I hear what you're saying about season, and like I'm not trying to bring down the quality of the performance that like, Circus is giving, or the kind of the writing over the Caesar character. I think Caesar is a tremendous character that stands out throughout this series, um, and I agree with you, Yancey, that like if there was another AFI poll for heroes and villains, I'd certainly want to put Caesar on there, but I'd also want to put Koba on the villain side, and I say that yes. because I think I think Circus brings a, is doing a better performance in Dawn than it is here, where it's more like you mentioned pushing the football down the field. I feel like Dawn is the one that like really put raised the game, and then War is just kind of like, all right, it's just kind of doing more of that again. Like it's not doing anything that's all of that different beyond doing being being you know even more aggressively ape heavy and even less on the human side. That's not a bad thing whatsoever. But what I like in Dawn specifically is that it it gives a lot of shades to Caesar of what what he's trying to do. He's trying to he's trying to resolve everything before everything goes way out of hand. And you have this you have Koba played by Toby Gebel, who's doing he's He's, you know, he's on the, he's on the, he's on the, the deep end as far as against humans. And seeing those two interact with each other, like that's that's a relationship I was really intrigued by. Where in war, it's like, okay, Harrelson against Caesar. There's no changing these people, these these two's ideologies at this point. There's nothing that's gonna, that's gonna stop I think these. You're way there's off. Le- I think you got- and there's less nuance. There's there's no there's less nuance here. It all feels very pronounced. Even the themes that you're talking, like you mentioned the Full Metal Jacket stuff right at the beginning. Yeah, it's right there in my face. Like, there's no, there's no subtlety to this whatsoever. It's just like, well, here, let's, let's write Apocalypse Now on the wall, <laughs> Apocalypse Now on the wall, because guess what? We're referencing Apocalypse Now. Like, there's nothing there that right. hides anything. Right. You this guys are right implying that it's contrived. You're saying it's contrived the way they bring Caesar in. No, it's not. They, the bad guy seeks him out intentionally and brings him into the story. I'm not saying it's, it's contrived, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's contrived. I'm, say, I'm saying it just, it's, well, there's no it subtlety into, it here. It's just, it's all in he, your face all the time. Yeah, but it pushed the, his character. We said earlier in the scene with the little girl that Pete was talking about. Of course, that scene is about Caesar because it's about how he's losing touch with that compassion because of what happens in this movie. And he does. The relationship that there evolves over time, and I get that. I'm not again. This is a good movie. I'm not arguing that's not a good movie. I was saying I think there's. I've seen this done better in the previous entry. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, that thing was dull. I mean, let's even let's just break it down. Even if you're going on the human side, do you did you think Oldman was more interesting than Harrelson? I'd, I'd say they're about the same level of interest to me for different reasons. I did. I, I thought that. I, I thought though, and, and it's not I, because I'm like trying to create friction in our conversation. I did think that Oldman was more compelling because, again, I think that you had more of a sense of him being more rational and him being doing this because, again, he had lost loved ones. It's actually really nice to see when they get power back in the thing, and the first thing that comes up is like on his iPad is a photo of his family. He just starts bawling. Um, and then in this one, I just I, I understood Harrison's point of view, and I, I definitely understood what he was trying to do. But there's another added layer to it, which I was like, oh, well, OK, I guess I'm not going to care as much because this guy's just off the he's just he's just crazy. But but I don't so think he's crazy. 
Well, I mean, I he's, mean, he definitely has his his uh, Kurtz, his Apocalypse Now esque kind of. Thing well, yeah, that, he's like would, shaving his bald head and walking him. around with. I mean, it's it's, it's obviously I know Brando. He's got the like that. But when he lays it out, when he lays out his side of things to Caesar, it's it's reasonable. It's not Kurtz. Kurtz is his right. Thing. Yeah. I, I definitely agree that it's reasonable, and I'm not saying that. Well, yeah, he's uh, not a psychopath. He's a he's just he's just wild in his opinions of no, how humanity just, needs yeah, to he's survive. Just very, yeah, he's just very like passionate about his his view of which makes saving sense. Humanity. He's trying like, from because, his point of and, view, he's doing the he's the doing the work that it takes of the, of the humans. You know, you got you do the same thing. But I the would, the, dif- but... the difference I find between Oldman and Harrelson is that the entire movie's side for as far as that's concerned rests on Harrelson where Oldman he's not the only human in that movie he's not the only one we're following he's not even the main human we're following he's just one of and many and Oldman's good Oldman's good enough where I don't have to need I don't need you know him to lay out like reams of paragraphs in the middle of the movie to get what's going on he gives he does he goes in there he says what he needs to say he has the kind of standing he has because he's Gary Oldman. Like I don't, I don't need him to tell me exactly who he is. I can just watch him do like a couple things and then he's done. Yeah, it's called like, hack work. It's like <laughs> hack work. <laughs> he's a hack at this point, playing those kind of roles. Gary Oldman is a hack. Perhaps, but I, I do want to add on to that again. The extra layer of Woody Harrelson. Um, yeah, sure. The exposition. I, I didn't, I didn't like that they had exposition dump right in the middle of it, but I understood it. And when you get the sense of what's happening in the third act of, of the all out battle. I had questions still. I had questions of, wait a minute. So what's the opposing force? Like who are those folks and what are the, what's their I agree, agenda? I agree with you. I agree. So that, that's where I was like, wait a minute. I, I can't, I can feel sympathetic or empathetic toward the Colonel. His, his only given name is the Colonel who wears sunglasses at night. It's Colonel McCullough. It's, it's, oh, on, yeah, his, right. it's yeah, on, on his, his chest his, the entire Jack. time. And the first time we hear him, it's called Colonel McCullough. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, so that, that's the kind of the piece that I had with it. And then there's a point where uh, guys in snowsuits are looking at Caesar and maybe they're going to kill him too. And I was like, I, I don't understand. Oh, I love that shot. No, I, I get it. I totally understood it, and I, I liked it too, and I liked actually what happens afterward because that's the only logical thing that would happen. But I just was curious as to whether they had the same agenda as as uh, Colonel McKellar. Can I ask? Yes. It sounds like you guys <laughs> I mean, are too sweet yeah. on humanity. That's what it can is. I, um, can I ask a question about this particular series? No, that... moving on. You answer... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, you can answer <laughs> Question. I mean, I, I really love this film. I like the yeah. first one a lot. I will give the second one a chance. Again, a chance. But one question: in the beginning of this film, um, we see that the the full metal jacket hats, right? The army guys are coming because they're trying yeah. to find. They think they know where Caesar is located. Um, so there's this huge scene. Question, and maybe I missed this in Dawn, because I know there's a there's a vital scene with Koba. Why don't the apes use guns? More. I mean, in, it looks like the humans have all the artillery and the apes. But I mean, like the apes technically like muscle, you know, physically they could, as we see in Dawn, there's a scene where Koba uses a gun. Is there did I miss something? Is there like a, a philosophy where Caesar's like, we don't use that? You know, like, I don't know. I, 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 just, I think it's just more a thematic understanding of nature versus, you know, humanity yeah, or what have you. But yeah, also. Yeah. It's not like the apes were losing any battles by not using guns. Yeah, they really had a sort of like preference of a weapons cache. They kind of just they had guns and they, then they learned how to use them. But it wasn't really. Their, I mean, their, yeah, guns run thing. out for one thing, and they're living in the woods, so it's not like they have yeah. like a restocking 
area they can go to, like Harrelson, who, li- who literally lives in a weapons depot. Right. I was just, I was just wondering. The last thing I want to say is that um, I, I'm not sure if we said this off podcast or on, but like, um, I think Yancey made a comparison to. You can kind of compare these to the Romero Dawn of the Dead movie, the the, the Dead movies, and this one more so than Dawn for me. There really is a great sense of the futility of like man's existence in the third yeah. one. There, that that even with Harrelson, even if his speech makes sense. There is a real sense of yeah, it's over. It's over. By Caesar or not, this world is over, and I really like that. And I don't like. Anyways, I just I, yeah. I like that too. Yeah, I because I, that's that's sort of why I uh, watching the 1968 one. I was like, oh, well, that's the that's the same kind of ideology that uh, Carlton Nesson has of just well. Then at that time, that's like Cold War stuff. You can definitely feel that that the. Uh, being there, right? Because that's sort of right, right. yeah. It's all that whole entire like you know atom bomb kind of um, a fear, which you saw a lot in those movies back in sixties, seventies, and eighties. Um, but um, yeah, I, I certainly like that bleakness of. By the way, man's time is done, and we did this to ourselves. Because yeah, but that's also a combination of just the, there's. It's not like humans are suddenly going to start coming up again, and also I know where this all has to be headed. So like, I'm not surprised that like humanity is even at a worse place than they were in the last movie. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. Which is why, um, you know, I guess I'm just not surprised. I, it had to happen. Although there were some uh, sort of fan service moments that don't make sense if we consider that '68 one. Did you guys notice that? I did. Well, I mean, what well, to. One thing, I, I don't need to worry about the 68 because they're not connected. I mean, besides, they're in the same franchise. It's, it's not It's not going there. It's it not nice going there. Back. I mean, we don't, yeah. we, we don't, whatever the next step is, assuming they keep going on with this series, it, I, I'm not, it's not supposed to be, it's not, it's had, it has its own handle on how it's taking on the mythology of Planet of the Apes at this point. Like, it's not, yeah, they had to the rock floor, it does show up in right? the new one. In the first yeah, one. They, in, yes, in Rise, there was an Icarus, there was a ship that left Earth and then went missing. That is true. But, I mean, it's not going to necessarily happen the exact same way as things happen in 68, especially because we <laughs> see the origin. Said, so there's, it, it, it renders. Said, what? You're, you're right. And, and, like, it's funny, if they do another one, they can't do the same thing again with the twist of this used to be Earth. That's yeah, there's no twist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you've rendered but that, you know, Pete, neutered. You that said that the apes sort of might discover themselves their their past that might be an interesting way to go if the apes are fighting amongst themselves but what their past was and they discover the, the humanity thing i don't know this seems more like a night's episode of what we could talk about coming next because i don't want to get too far into how the movie <laughs> I mean, ends I didn't, so, but, no, I didn't say that but actually i would like to ask everybody do you guys think that because i heard that this is the end of this trilogy if they decide to do a new trilogy would you want it to be thousands of years it's like a long time in the future which is what the original plan of the apes is or do you want this to just to be maybe like 10 years what would you guys let me, think? let me let me start off by saying one thing there's no no one has called this a final chapter in any trilogy except anyone on the internet that's written some kind of review saying it's such matt reeves right, is still, still matt reeves still wants to do another movie in this franchise so i mean it's not open and shut as of yet well, um, as far as there's okay there's certainly an arc to this set yeah. of three films that makes yeah. sense and anyone that's seen the movie understands that um as far as where things could go next and what i'd want i mean i could logically see a time jump happening at this point i think that would make the most sense i don't know how far necessarily but you know something that there needs to be some movement forward to really kind of paint a newer picture of what the world is like at that point yeah i'd agree with that i mean i'm cool with the time jump as well i don't know about a thousand years but maybe Maybe a, a more compacted years where uh, Cornelius has grown up and perhaps he's running things, or he's he's in love with Doctor. Is it Doctor Zaire or Zira? Doctor Zira. Doctor Zayas and Zira. 
yeah. different characters. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, Yancey, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think a hundred thousand years is fine into the future. I think it, I think the next step should be about you know inter interfighting between the apes about who they are. Mm. I bet you that's what Matt Reeves would want to do. Maybe not hundred thousand years, but you know, yeah. just really talking about building a society. Maybe he goes really seventies with it, and we start getting the mutated human stuff. Because <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, oh, hundreds of thousands of years—that's like when the uh, the dolphins are going to come back over on land, and they're going to fight with the apes. That's it. There's your plot. A la the Simpson apes versus the dolphins. Boom. Out of the water, ready to go, ready to fight. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to say. I was going to say that maybe it's the horses because the horses are still used as like labor, even with the apes. And I was like, maybe the, the maybe the horses are the ones. That are gonna <laughs> um, Very possible. Yeah. So we all, uh, of course, we all like this movie. We're all thumbs up. Okay. Yeah, no yeah, one does. Yeah. No, I don't dislike. Like I mean, it. it's. I think yeah. my my thing is like I'm, I'm happy that it's still what I assumed was going to be one of the best films of the summer. But I'm a bit disappointed that to me it's not standing as one of the best films of the year. I think it is. I think it is. And I get that. Yeah. Uh, question for you guys: What do you guys think of? Uh, there's a just, there's an idea that Caesar or I'm sorry, I don't know who has it, but somebody's like, oh, by the way. Maybe there are other animals in zoos like this because Bad Ape has learned to speak on his own and he's kind of, I guess he's, he's what's the word? He's mutated on his own? I mean. Well, no, I mean, the the, the simian flu is essentially given kind of rise to intelligence. Okay. Ape, that's how they're all. And yeah, it's more of a conversation between Caesar, Maurice, and Rocket. Maurice, yeah, yeah. Ape. Maurice and like, Rocket. But, I mean, that's something I kind of. I don't know how you accomplish this because I, I like what you're saying, Peter Howard. There is like an it's an intimate story overall about Caesar just with greater things going on around him essentially. But it would you know it'd be nice to know further context about the world right now. Like it's we know about Caesar and his tribe of apes, but yeah, are there are there other like giant tribes of apes, or is this just kind of the strong? Is this the only place where the apes are like this kind of packed into a group and are you know? proceeding as such with having you know factions and organized and fighting and battling against humans or is that like a thing all over the world like are there other factions going on or whatnot let alone the state of humanity i get i get that humanity's pretty much died out like it's pretty much a right it's probably like 10 percent yeah but like i i I would be curious to know more about that scenario like what's going on outside the you know california i agree (laughs) i'd like to see that too i'm um I do, yeah. I, I feel like even though it was kind of obvious about the simian flu, the Steve Zahn character, yes, it kind of legitimizes the you don't all have to be connected to just Caesar's camp and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that would be totally interesting. I would like. To what see I like that. about Steve Zahn's character, by the way, is that like he's called Bad Ape, and it's because of this kind of horrible subtext where he was basically beaten as an ape all the right, time yeah. and so he just thinks his name is bad ape because that's what they called him like tom Dalton uh, just like you know called him bad ape all the time so that's what he calls himself <laughs> yeah, Draco malfoy got in there again <laughs> but uh oh i forgot about that or, or brian yeah. cox moved on to another zoo <laughs> did bad things to other apes. oh that's right uh, brian cox oh gosh that guy but no the, i was curious about that because there's um in the third act i was I was like, is there going to be like an ape army or something like that? Like a different ape army? I was like, that'd be kind of cool. But that's not the case. Still, but, I'm curious to see what uh, what all the panda bears are doing against the apes in zoos across uh, the world. This, I mean, there's also, I mean, we talk about the kind of the nature of this war, what have you. I do think that between these three films, they're all mislabeled. I think the first one could have been called Dawn. The second one could yeah. have been called War. And this one could have been called Rise. 
You're right. You're right. That's, <laughs> That's that is a good point. I mean, it makes perfect like right. Doesn't that make perfect sense? Yeah. Speaking of which, what did you guys think of the the title credits? Oh, that was fun. I, that's like an, <laughs> the way that they emphasize rise, dawn, and war. I, I, I like that the last oh, yeah. one was like like the first two were like a sentence, and then the last one's like here's three paragraphs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was laughing because I thought the same thing, and I will say that I enjoyed. There were a few times where I got kind of choked up because it's it's great when you don't have to have any sort of dialogue, and you just relate to the characters on the screen. And so I was. I was happy to see that, and I was happy to feel that and experience that, and that kind of just shows you that the person who is directing it knows what they're they're trying to get out of it, and is crafting it in such a way that uh, allows you to feel it because it wasn't short and it wasn't like too sweet or or you know sentimental, but it certainly was effective, and so I was glad to see that there was a a, a nice little uh, rose part or I guess a flower part, and then also the cherry blossom, the cherry blossom, yeah, the cherry blossoms, which. It, the two scenes of the cherry blossoms and then the last scene with yep. like no i an ape and i was like oh this is really sweet this is really yeah. nice choke me up true anything else on a uh, war for the planet of the apes uh why don't other apes wear ski vests like uh bad ape could They're a gorilla really ride a horse is my question could a gorilla really ride a horse i just saw it i just saw it i just saw it too but then i thought wait a second <laughs> <laughs> a, a chimpanzee I buy, but it's funny to see a gorilla riding a horse naked. <laughs> so, okay, with all that in mind, I guess we're all good on War for the Planet of the Apes. When should people see this movie? Oh, as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Even though I had some issues with the third act, I, I definitely agree that you should see this in theaters. July 22nd, preferably pre-noon. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's, it's certainly a really strong movie. It's, it has... A lot going on that you know you don't see in too many other like summer blockbusters as far as the like you guys mentioned compassion and thoughtfulness going into the characters and what it means to be a leader and all of those elements. I mean that all really adds to what's made I think the series as a whole really strong. Mm-hmm. I mean we all have to see uh, Berkeley for this and also James Franco, Doctor James Franco, Doctor Franco. As well. <laughs> all right. Well, with that out of the way, let's um let's move on now, guys. Let's uh. Let's get to our let's get to our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebookcom podcast, where we ask a number of questions, and you listeners gave us some answers. Then you asked us some questions, and we give you guys some answers. That's uh, that's how it works. It's almost like a drug deal. So, <laughs> first we asked everybody, "What is your favorite Andy Circus performance?" By the way, it'd be really nice if the Academy was just like, "By the way, Andy Circus, here's a nomination for all your work." in stop motion and and or i'm sorry not stop motion but all this like weta effects no, but like I, I don't want him just to get like a life achievement or a fallberg award it's like like, like i I, it, no, I, I sincerely want him to get like an oscar for this performance as caesar kind of the same way that they gave uh, lord of the rings a, a best picture nominee or best best picture for the third one but uh, i don't know because he does he does all the work himself it's not just like motion capture it's it's like him there in this in the freezing water doing and acting these lines out so anyway uh favorite andy circus performance justin writes Gollum. chris writes might have to be Gollum. tony writes either caesar Gollum, or ian drury that's Jason from, the, writes, um, that's from uh, the, the sex drugs and rock and roll movie he was writing like, like 10, only 10 years ago jay writes uh kong and lastly manisha has rise of the planet of the earth rancy peter feel free to you know lend in your answers on yeah. It's a tough one. I think people. I think. I think in terms of Oscars, they're always uh, the, the actors who don't have makeup or anything 
seem to always vote against this sort of... I mean, Jeff Goldblum didn't get nominated for The Fly, I don't think. That was one of the greatest performances ever, but I think the idea was that the makeup was doing half the work. Probably not true, but I think you, if you wanted to be a jerk, you could argue that the, the effects do part of the work for Circus. Well, clearly... But yeah, I would say this is his best work, is this, this movie. This yeah, it's a teaser. Uh, clearly, yeah. Circus's uh, best role is as Richard uh, Neeland in the... Un- the uh, underdog 2004 Jennifer Garner movie 13 going on 30 where he plays <laughs> PR boss or whatever. No, I'm just kidding. I was just looking up circuses roles. Um, I mean, in general, I would usually say Gollum, but yeah, I mean now, you know, seeing this whole trilogy, I would say, yeah, it's Caesar. I mean, it's certainly the most King Kong also or, pretty good. Let's not forget King Kong. I by default, I say Kong cause I love King Kong's. Oh, yeah. he's, he's great in Kong. Yeah. It's a wonderful performance too. Uh, our next question, favorite Woody Harrelson performance. Justin writes, Edge of 17 and the Now You See Me movies. My wife says, The Cowboy Way. Jason writes, Defender. His performance in that movie brings me... It's a good movie. Jay writes, Cheers. Oh, and his brief scene in The Thin Red Line is my favorite part of that film. <laughs> Adam writes, No Country for Old Men. Uh, Manish writes, The Hunger Games series. Scott writes, Scott Mendelson writes, The Walker. Chris writes, Natural Born Killers All the Way and No Country for Old Men. Woody Rocks. Tammy writes, Zombieland. George writes, Kingpin. White men can't jump. Well, really, anything he's in. Nope. I can agree right with George. No, is that true, Detective? Nobody with the right answer. The people versus Larry Flint is, is, is Woody Harrelson's best performance. Nobody mentioned that. See, all of our answers just goes to show you that Woody Harrelson is a great actor. He's a terrific actor. Wait, Yancy, I mean, you would. I mean, he is great in Larry Flint, but he's great in True Detective. I mean, those are yeah, both. But Larry Flint is him. That he really. It's a great movie, and he's amazing in it. He is. He is. I, I. I just. I just know you love True Detective, so I'm surprised. I. Wow. Of course I do. <laughs> uh, I love the Red Line fan. too, but that's I, go, I, go, I back for Kingpin. All I also way. agree with Kingpin. I mean, he does some <laughs> bad great. stuff for. You're Red laughing. League. I. I. It's both. It's both a comedic and a dramatic performance. I think he's yeah. excellent in Kingpin. Also, really good. Really called Rampart from a few years ago. Rampart. Yeah, where he's Rampart, like the racist yeah. cop, and his wife is he's good in that. Yeah. Who's his wife? Talking about Dark Blue, kind of double feature yeah, there. Robin Wright. Robin Wright, and he's got yeah. two girlfriends or something in that. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway, next question we asked everybody, what is your favorite film featuring a motion capture performance? Justin has Rise or The Force Awakens. Jay writes the 2005 King Kong. And Manish has, I want to give a shout out to Avatar. And I don't think he's talking about The Last Airbender. I think he's talking about... Well, that movie is called The Last Airbender, and Avatar is called Avatar. So I don't know, maybe, maybe Manish just <laughs> wanted to shorten it. <laughs> It knows that movie is called The Last Airbender. That's that's what it's called. <laughs> that's right, yeah. The Force Awakens? What? I think he was kind of joking, but he's also talking about the... I uh, joking. It's his favorite film uh, featuring a motion capture performance. That's not a joke. Like it's the character? You mean, because, I mean... It features a... Mo- it's not about the motion capture performance, but it features a motion right. capture performance. Guys, I guess. I just... Well, all right. Um, As I said, King Kong's one of my favorite movies, so King Kong would be probably yeah. that answer, so... Uh, okay. And the next question we asked everybody, what's your favorite film that pits humans against extinction? George has Melancholia and Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Lastly, Birdemic. Uh, Adam has Life in the U.S. since 2016 election, which is a movie that uh, is still shooting, I think. Tyler has Independence Day. Justin has ID4 for sure, Men in Black, Edge of Tomorrow. Manish has Seeking a Friend is low-key great. Uh, great uh, I'm sorry. Manish says, Seeking a Friend is low-key a great apocalypse movie. AI, too. And lastly, Jay has The World's End. Wait, nobody has Children of Men? That's it's another good well, one. I mean... That, that's you, Peter. 
That's the best one. Here. He's right. Pete's right. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why. That's where we. That's why you guys are here to add uh, additional titles. Yeah. Like. I, I just want to mention that Seeking a Friend for the Other World was mentioned twice. It was on my top ten list from a few years back. I remember have that. you seen it yet? I have not seen it yet. Okay. Oh, checking. Once we do, we'll have an Out on Nights episode. Um, our next question. Favorite film set during the winter? Uh, Jordan Grout writes Batman Returns. Braun writes Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Manish writes While You Were Sleeping. <laughs> Jay writes Groundhog Day. And Justin writes The Santa Claus and The Shining. All solid answers. The Shining's a really great answer. I would kind of, I feel like I would cheat and I would say the thing, but technically I don't know what season the thing is, but it's an Arctic setting. Mm-hmm. Like, do we know in the thing when? I don't know if we actually know the date, the months that they're. What with. year? <laughs> yeah, uh, it, was, it was actually Christmas. Although the Shining is know. Shining is a pretty good because that's totally winter and everything. That's the whole point, is that they're like... The point yeah, of it, yeah. That, yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know if I... I would say one of those two for me. Y- Yancey, what, what is the, what's the question? Favorite film set during winter. Oh. Um, yeah, I was watching that. Okay. Wait, is that... Christmas. Oh, I guess Christmas it's Christmas. Yeah, it's Christmas. That's true. Um, yeah, it's Santa. I can't think of other... The Great Silence. You ever see that one with Klaus Kinski? Spaghetti Western? It's a great one. Cool. No, I... Well, right down the list. What was that terrible movie with Kate Beckinsale? Oh, Whiteout. Which pun? Oh. Again, that's not. That's just set in Antarctica. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Peter just loves movies set in Antarctica or the South Pole. Or Which the is not Pole. the question. <laughs> the, San, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. No, I'm yeah, that, oh. that's on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question? Next question we asked everybody, what is your favorite film involving a prison escape? Dennis has The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> the Great Escape. Manisha has Guardians Volume 1 and Halloween. Uh, Jay writes, The Great Escape is my favorite prison escape movie, but my favorite prison escape in a non-prison movie is Tai Lung's Escape in Kung Fu Panda. That's fun. Lastly, just as Shawshank for sure, but would Escape from New York count? Of course, it's all in the title. (laughs) Escape from New York, which is a prison. I like using Halloween, I forgot, because he does break out of the... That is a good one, and I didn't think about it until that person wrote it. Um, yeah. You know, what I would pick on there, and I don't think Yancey likes it actually. Is uh, I like Chicken Run. Mel Gibson's Chicken Run. Yeah, I like that. That's a count. That's basically the great. Yeah. That's I mean, it's they're, they're trying to escape from being turned into uh, you know chickens for dinner. Yeah, um, that's always that's that's one that I've I, I never liked it as much as the Walls of Gromit stuff, but it's like it's it's well done. Like it's never really mini driver really for like. uh, high power. Do we count Bridge on the River Kwai as a prison escape movie? Uh, or just a prison movie, right? Prison, yeah. Um, well, then, like, Stalag 17. I'll, I'll throw that in there. Sounds great. Yancey? Um, I would, it would be a cross. It would be a, a tie between uh, Great Escape and Robert Bresson Man Escaped, French movie. That would probably be the two best. Hmm. All right. I'm just going to throw a face-off just for fun. Face-off? Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why? Is a prison scene in Face-Off? Oh, escape from He escapes from prison, and then you realize it's like a giant floating prison, so he has like nowhere like, else the, to the, go. The whole, the whole movie Escape Plan is basically that segment of Face-Off. <laughs> I haven't seen Face-Off since it opened in theaters, so how old is that movie? 20 Six. years. Yeah, yeah, so I've not, I, I thought it was okay. I don't know why it's become a 
classic now. But uh, it's so it's so good. It's great John Woo action and legit great acting. As but is it as good as like Hard Boiled or The Killer? I mean, like I'd say no, it's, a, it's up. It's, it's up not, to those levels. It is not anywhere. It's <laughs> up to those levels. I think it's, it's his American th- stuff, which has to be a little more tempered. Not that good. I mean, like it's I, just not good. Hard Hard is the best Nick, one. Nick Cage playing John Travolta is fantastic in that movie, and Nick Nick Cage playing John Travolta playing Nick Cage yeah, is also fantastic in that. Yeah, and vice versa, John Travolta playing Nick Cage playing John Travolta also really good in that. Now, last question: favorite cinematic leaders? Uh, Justin writes President Whitmore, uh, also Dave. It's just a great movie. Manish writes Captain Rogers. Jay writes President Lindbergh from The Fifth Element, mainly because he's Tiny Lister Jr. <laughs> <laughs> We just got those three. So what do we got? Favorite leaders, cinematic leaders. Lawrence of Arabia. Heard of him? Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. King Arthur. Which King Lawrence Arthur? Arabia is the, is the answer to that one. Yeah, he's. I think he's right. I mean, Lawrence. Not uh, is a, not, is a, not 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 Wallace Braveheart. Oh sure, but Lawrence of Arabia is more interesting as a leader. I, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's true. I'm gonna throw in Flick from uh, A Bug's Life. Oh, good one. All right. Well, we got one question. Okay. That's fine now. Hold on. Holding. It came in pretty. It came in late, but I got it. Okay, late entry, right. but hey, we're gonna do it. Yeah, this one's from Justin. It's right. He says, uh, "With the success of Wonder Woman, do you think it will pave the way for more women superhero movies in both the DCU and MCU, or should I say, better movies, not like Catwoman and Supergirl, the movie?" I'm gonna we'll say, see. of course. Yeah, I would say of course. I mean, we'll see Captain Marvel, right? That's in like development. That's already on the schedule. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's I, the uh, there's the Gotham City Sirens. One of the next in the DCU, DCEU. Ah, that might be lame. We're gonna know. make a whole entire film series on the Gotham City Sirens. They're gonna make a film on the oh, a film. Okay. Not sure. I'm not sure. I'm liking the notion that um, the next Wonder Woman is rumored to be in the Cold War. I kind of like her just going to modern times. I don't know if I want to see another period one. Yeah, um, but you know, time jumps are cool. But wait, what? Time jumps are cool. Plus, you're gonna see in modern times in in a uh, Justice League. What she said in Batman Superman, she's like, I gave up on humanity a hundred years ago. That made me feel like that was what she did, and then she's just been living off the grid until Batman Superman. So what you're talking about right now is a rumor. I mean, there's no, 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 no. In the movie, she says that. No, no, we're talking about the 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 production of the movie, then. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I love how she's off the grid, and yet she's uh, she's like an art curator at the Louvre. And then she also has a file from Lex Luthor with her logo and all these photos of her in it. So she's really off the grid. Batman well, it's like one. Too. It's one photo. <laughs> no, he's got like closed circuit TV photo video of her like taking. And it's money just Lex Luthor. Yeah. It's not like he's published it all over the world. Like, guess who's a superhero? The curator of the Louvre. <laughs> yeah, if Batman can hack into it, so can anybody else. No, I'm assuming. I I guess to me, I thought the idea was that Diana Prince remained in America or London or, or actually, I guess, France. She's at the Louvre at the end. But it's not that she went back to um, the island. It's more that she just wasn't Wonder Woman. I guess that's what I meant. Like, Well, if only there was a sequel in a Justice League movie to find this out. Right. <laughs> right. So well, that's uh, not going to happen. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, was, I would assume that I hope Captain Marvel's good. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know comic books as well as a lot of my other friends, so I don't know other big. Actually, do you think though they would give what's Scarlett Johansson's? What is she? Black Widow? Is that Black her name? Widow. Like, do you think she would get her own movie? I mean, Scarlett's already had her own movie. I hope so. I mean, I think that people are are wanting it. And I think that she wants to have it happen too. But I think that there's been some, perhaps, some pushback. But 
perhaps with the success of Wonder Woman, it does happen. Because I think that that would be the most, you know, it's just a, a next progression, right? You had all these spinoff movies for all these other Avengers, um, maybe minus Hawkeye. But uh, but you saw Hawkeye's home life, at least, in Avengers. Actually, and I think Yancey would probably agree. Actually, you guys would all probably agree. I think I'd be more interested, even though she's not a comic book character, I would be more interested in Miller doing another movie with her own with Furiosa. Because I really like that character, and I like George Miller in the world. I'd rather see that than a Black Widow movie or something, because of the talent involved. Yeah, but given the nature of you know the fact that superhero movies are the thing right now, you know, that's right. kind of the place to reach as far as what, what a proven IP is going to do. Right. Uh, Anna, by the way, suggesting uh, Squirrel Girl, which they are making Squirrel Girl. Isn't she? Yeah. She could be Squirrel Girl, which makes sense to me. I have no idea who that is. I'm sorry. I don't know who that it's is. It's a Marvel character. Is it like Rocket? She's a squirrel? No. <laughs> she got no, bit by a radioactive squirrel and now has <laughs> powers to harvest things and dig Wait, deep. Are you joking? Or... I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> I'm not joking. I, he, so I mean, Aaron's not. Aaron talks real... about perhaps a, a, a squirrel. Miss Squirrel? Squirrel Girl. Squirrel. <laughs> I don't know which title to give her. Regardless, I think we've answered the questions officially. So that's how you do out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. All right. Um, I think uh, Abe, what uh, what time is it now? Aaron, I think it's time for a nice, friendly game. Let it know. In fact, that's actually Caesar's ringtone for Maurice. <laughs> yeah, when he, when he gets his when, iPhone. When they get cell service again. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I have a game for you guys this week. Okay. It is called From Chimpan A to Chimpanzee. <laughs> okay. How, um, how does this, this game work? This is a rapid-fire game. I have 27 movies going from A to a number. Um, and I, I basically I have the actors written for each of these movies, and you have to guess which movie I'm talking to. Every single one of these movies... Just don't don't guess this during don't don't think about it during the game. Just just know now they either have a monkey, an ape, a gorilla, or some kind of connection to any of those things involved in the movie, and that's why I picked them for each letter. Okay. So I'm go I'm going to run through this fairly. It's gonna be it's supposed to be rapid fire. So I'm okay. gonna to try to run through this fairly. I'm gonna just name actors for each letter of the alphabet. Wait wait wait. What's, actors names or movie names? Movie names. I'm going to run through the actors starring in said movies, and you have to guess what the movie is. Ah. Do we shout out our name? How do we? How do we get? Buzzed? Just shout out. No, I don't. I, don't even shout out the name because it's supposed to be rapid fire. Shout out the, just shout out the, shout out the right. movie if you. If, okay. If you know this it. is the first time we're doing just movies. So I'm gonna go through it. Okay. Okay. Let's go. And it, again, remember, it's all connected in some way to minor exception. Okay. Here <laughs> okay. we go. Here's the first one. Martin Sheen, Marlon Brando, Larry Fishburne. Apocalypse Now is correct. Nancy's on the board. Next one. Charlton Heston. Planet of the Apes. Battle. Does that start with B? Beneath the what? Planet of the Apes. Yancey's correct. Beneath the Planet oh, of the Apes. Oh, darn it. Remember, we're going alphabetical. That's that right. Okay. Close. Next right. one. I got it. Roddy McDowell. Ricardo Montalban. Conquest, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Peter got that one first. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Next one. Gary Oldman. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Abe got that one. Next one. Clint Eastwood. Sandra Locke. Every which way but loose. Every which way but loose is correct. <laughs> what is Clyde that? was the last name I was going to read, by the, the way. Static. What? That's right turn, it. Clyde. Right turn, Clyde. Oh. Next. I never saw it, but okay. I see. Next one. John Cleese. Jamie Lee Curtis. Incorrect. Kevin Klein. Michael Palin. Fierce Creatures. 
Fierce Creatures is correct. Dang, Yancey! Underrated movie. Also, it involves apes and gorillas, not fish called Wanda. <laughs> That's right. I was like, no, this is not right. Don't say it. But I said it. <laughs> Here's the next one. Christopher Lambert, Andy Stoke. McDowell, Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, ah. Lord of the Apes is correct. <laughs> that is not what I was thinking. I was thinking you were going to go George of the Jungle. I'm disappointed. Did not. I had the option, but I wanted to go harder. Here's the next one. <laughs> Kevin Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth Shue, Josh Brolin. Oh, man. Hollow Man Ooh. is the correct answer. Oh, there is an ape in that. Damn That's it. That's a cool <laughs> scene. Yeah, the ape. Invisible ape. Here's the next one. Anthony Hopkins. Chill Factors Cuba Gooding Jr. Instinct. Donald's Instinct. Oh, Instinct. What? Yancey is correct. It's Instinct. What'd you say, Abe? <laughs> Icarus. Icarus. <laughs> There's some movie called Icarus. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Here's, here's the next one. Robin Williams. Kirsten Jumanji. Dunst. Jumanji. Jumanji. Yeah. Correct. Here's the next one. Tom Hiddleston. King Kong. Samuel L. Jackson. Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island is correct. Here's the next one. Matthew Broderick, Jeremy Irons, James Earl Jones, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, Jungle to Jungle! No. Jungle We're Punk. on L. Oh, we're on L. What? Lady Hawk. Because <laughs> we're on L. And he said Matthew Broderick. I'm like, Lady Hawk? Is there an ape in that somehow? Like, uh... <laughs> Um, Whoopi Goldberg, Cheech Marin. Wow, what a cast. <laughs> like, I don't... Is this an animated movie? I bet it is. The last... Yes, it is. Lion King. Uh, Lion King is the correct... Jesus. You get <laughs> is this the Lion King? She's one of the hyenas. Oh, that's right. Okay, all right. I oh. thought Matthew Broderick, Jeremy Irons, and James Earl Jones would give oh, that one away true. pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the next one. Thora Birch, Harvey Keitel, Mimi Monkey Rogers. Trouble. Monkey Trouble is the correct Monkey answer. Monkey Trouble. <laughs> Harvey Keitel. Finster was the last one. That's the name of the monkey. Um, ben Stiller, Robin Night Williams. Night of the Museum. Night of the Museum is the uh, correct answer. Robin Williams, John Travolta, Seth Green, Kelly Preston. Seth Green? Probably the toughest one on this list. This is O, right? This yeah, is O, o. yes. There's a scene in the trailer where Seth Green interacts with a gorilla. Uh, it's not a good Old scene. Dogs? Old Dogs is the correct answer. Oh. Damn. Wow. Good call. Here's the next one. Charlton Heston, Roddy McDowell. Planet of the Apes. Apes. Planet of the Apes. I was going to say Mark Wahlberg and Tim Roth next to throw you off. We almost got that. Almost got, Abe that, got that one. one. Yeah, got Abe got it. I Here's the next one. Abe got it. John claude Van Damme, Roger Moore. James the quest. quest. The Quest is the correct answer. Uh, wait, is that The Quest? The Quest. The quest. It's not like there's many Q movies with apes in the name. you got to give me a break. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. James Franco. John Lithgow. Circus. Peter got one. You got two now. Got two. Yes. Good job. The next Peter. one. Emile Hirsch. Matthew Fox. Christina Ricci. John Goodman. Susan Sarandon. Yes. Um, Rain. Susan Sarandon, Emil Hirsch. Speed Matthew Racer. Fox has been in like three movies. Oh, What'd you say? yeah, I could call. Speed Racer. Nancy, you... Speed oh, Racer is a great Racer, Chim Chim, yes. Chim Chim. Tony Goldwyn, Mini Driver, Phil Collins songs. Tarzan, Tarzan is the correct answer. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, Wesley Snipes, Robert Downey Jr., Joe Pantoliano. U.S. Marshals. Marshals those are, those is the are the correct answer. Is there an ape in that movie? I, I believe no idea. 
Tommy Lee Jones dresses as an ape at some point, or like oh, in some crazy oh, okay. costume. I, I believe you. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I sort of remember that. James McAvoy, Daniel Radcliffe, Andrew Scott, written Victor by Frankenstein. Max. Victor Frankenstein is the correct <laughs> answer. Andy Serkis, Woody Harrelson, Steve Zahn. Or the Planet of the Apes. Like, yeah. I'll give I'll give that to Abe and yes. Okay. <laughs> not Peter. Because <laughs> he did not Peter. say it at the same time. He didn't say it at the same time. How are you going to have an X? I can't wait to see what this is. Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart. X-Men. McCall- X-Men is the correct answer. Wait, what ape is in... Anything with Beast in it. Wait, is that is that where we're counting the Beast? No, There's no, not no. many X's <laughs> to go with here, guys. <laughs> and, and you know what? Abe still got it, so there. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Black, Michael Sarah, Oliver Platt, David Year Cross. One. Year one is the correct answer. I don't know what that is. That's a it's terrible, a terrible Harold Ramis movie. I like Kevin. That. Kevin James, Rosario Dawson. Zookeeper is the correct answer. You know, Last one. Matt Damon, right? No, that's We Bought a Zoo. Oh, okay. Right. That's W, not Z. <laughs> right. Okay. This is the last one. Keir Delia, Gary Lockwood. 2001, A Space Odyssey. That is correct. Yancey, you ran away Yancey, with You game. clearly ran away with this game. Yeah, Yancey got Thank it, you. man. Like, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Good work. I know my useless facts. I know them. Good work by all, especially on some of those. <laughs> those I want to say that Yancey won like 17 out of the 27 that we had. I was a little odd that Lion King and Speed Racer were the ones that were hang-ups, but still. <laughs> I forgot that Susan Sarandon was in it. That was the last name I listed, but okay. <laughs> I know, you had Emil Hirsch. It, again, Matthew Fox has been in like three movies. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, that's true. Anyway, congratulations, Yancey. Good job, Thank Yancey. You. Thank you. All right. That was games. Moving on now. Let's get to Out Now, Presentals Out Now, these movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Uh, quite a few things. Kong Skull Island, which I was a huge fan of and will be happy to get it on Blu-ray. Me too. Uh, Free Fire. Coming out on Blu-ray this week. Is that That's a fun one. Uh, the Promise. Didn't see this one with Christian Bale, Oscar Isaac, and Oscar Isaac. But I just the, got um, that. I haven't watched it yet, though. But good catch. I didn't hear. Yeah. The best I heard was like it'll be good to show in history classes to go over the Armenian genocide. Like that was the kind of best. Oh, that's that movie. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah that. Yes, yeah, yeah, that one. Um, Buster's Malhart. This one with uh, Rami Malek from Mr. Robots. Oh. I I saw the trailer. It's kind of weird. Yeah, didn't see it, but there it is. Let's see. Resident Evil Vendetta is another like CG Resident Evil movie. Oh, it's not part of the the Mila Jojovich series. No. No, it's so, like, it's like an animated. Sorry, it's an animated movie. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the Expanse season two. Sure, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> season one. Season one was pretty good. I heard season two. Okay. The One Hundred season four. I heard that that was all right. I surprised I don't watch that. That has me written all over it, but I I don't watch it. Let's see. Um, Woody Allen's Everything You Always Want to Know About Sex But We're Afraid to Ask makes its Blu ray debut this week. I think that's from Kino. I think they okay. Through the... I think it's Twilight Time. Twilight, Twilight Time. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. The Great Twilight uh, st- And uh, Stalker. Yeah, uh, this week on Criterion Collection. So Stalker is the best of the list, even though I've never seen it. Yeah, well, you haven't <laughs> even seen it, Pete. What is it with you and Stalker? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so obsessed with if it's if it's not the best thing I've ever seen, I'm gonna be disappointed. Like uh, <laughs> if it wasn't a sci-fi movie, you wouldn't give a crap. Why aren't you watching Andre Rublev? Wait, what? Yeah, here, take that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so have none of us seen Stalker? 
Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I've never seen <laughs> that. Yancey's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. No, I'm sure Yancey's going to think it's good. There's no way he's going to. I can't imagine him going. Oh, it sucks. Like I mean, I mean sure when Stalker used sure to play on TBS all the time. Yeah, we were all watching that one. Sure, but it's hard to remember it. I'm, I'm sure it's great. Really Pete has been talking about Stalker nonstop for like six months, <laughs> <laughs> having never seen it. Can't wait. That's what's up. Now let's let's move on. Let's get to extremely cool. These things that are now streaming on Netflix or anywhere, really. Because uh, first up is on Amazon, The Salesman. Oscar for Hardy, Oscar winning The Salesman right. is now streaming on Amazon. Let's see. Chasing Coral? It's a new documentary on uh, Netflix going over the fact that uh, coral reefs are dying all over the world. Pretty bleak, but I've heard good things about the documentary. Um, and lastly, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, now on Netflix. Next week's show. Let's talk about next week's show. Next week, we're talking Dunkirk and Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Totally thought we were going to talk about Girl's Trip. Disappointed. <laughs> no, it's supposed to be great. Somehow Dunkirk, somehow Dunkirk and Valerian are coming out on the same weekend. Like, right. <laughs> two of my most anticipated movies, and they're both coming out both next week. It's, uh, it's impressive that nobody moved. Uh, but there you have it. I'm more excited about Valerian, but I'm sure Dunkirk is going to be really great. And it's really just a subject matter thing. I just don't need another World War II movie, but I'm sure Dunkirk. I'm always good for another Christopher Nolan movie. I do. I like 104 that. minutes. That's, That's the only reason I've seen it. Yeah, it's, it's super short. For, for it's so Christopher. good. It's so great. Yeah. All, All right. It, it's like his first three movies. <laughs> it's 104 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, it's, that's, that's exciting. I thought I figured for sure 178, 186 minutes. <laughs> um, but no, I, I actually, I've heard Girls Trip is really good. I'm going tomorrow. Heard. So I've heard it's pretty funny. So I'm looking forward to that. So last thing we do here, what should people go and see now and what do you plan to see next? Peter, Paris, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh, oh, War for the Planet of the Apes. And then I'm seeing Girls Girls, uh, Girls Trip next. Yancey, what should people see in theaters right now? Wish Upon. I think that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, Planet of the Apes is worth your is worth your summer dollar. What do you see next? Dunkirk on Friday with uh, Pete and some other people. Yep. Abe? Definitely uh, recommend War for the Planet of the Apes or Big Sick and going to see Dunkirk. And I definitely want to check out Valerian because I love that Luke Besson. I want to see Valerian too. I'm very excited. See, um, I, yeah, I would say War for the Planet of the Apes, The Big Sick, Baby Driver's Still Out, Spider-Man, also really fun. A lot of good things. In the good things <laughs> out. Yeah, those are all good stuff. I agree. Like, yeah. And uh, yeah, next uh, is Dunkirk is the plan and then Valerian. It's a big week. But, yeah. With that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews over there, as well as on ysblue.com. You can also find me on Twitter, at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Find more stuff over at Instagram, Oakley and Twitter.com, slash Moose. Hashtag apes together strong. <laughs> Peter Paris, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, I have been uh, hard to work on my new job. So, I mean, I'm, I, am, I am still tweeting and... Instagramming uh, pop pop culture and stuff, but I haven't actually written an article in a while. But um, I'm at uh, Pajamo. That's my handle for Instagram and Twitter. You can find all the or sorry, Yancy. Yes, where where do people find more of your work online? Uh, yeah, you can check me out at the Milky Way Blues, uh, my blog, or as Yancy Jack on Twitter. You can find all the other episodes about now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. You can also listen to us over HWLD, SoundCloud, Podomatic. Feel free to email us your thoughts on anything we talked about today over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. At our wall, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, send us plenty of gifs involving Caesar being together and strong over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, Peter, Yancey, thank you both for joining us. Thank you both, guys, for having you guys on. 
Love it. So much fun, Thanks, guys. Man. Thank you so much. Sure. And uh, yeah, until next week when we go to war with the city of a thousand planets, that's what we do. So since until then, so long. And goodbye.